Nook and Napkin. Adam Curry, John C. Devorah. It's Thursday, December 22nd, 2011. Time for Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, episode 367. This is No Agenda. Preparing for a white Christmas here at Camp Mofo in Austin, Texas, the capital of the Lone Star State. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from the Pacific Northwest at the Compound. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Craig Vaughn and Buzzkill. In the morning. <laughs> Well-prepared opening statement, sir. Yes, I really, <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time writing that one. <laughs> I worked on that for two days. Uh, it's cold here, John. It's so cold. Well, it's colder here. I don't know. We've got like uh, 40s. Is, is it colder where you are? What's the, what's the temperature in uh, northern Silicon Valley? It's probably around. Uh, this is not. This is n- n- Pacific Northwest Silicon Valley. Oh, are you up? Oh, wait a minute. You up in uh, with the with the fam? Yeah, I'm up in north. In, uh, yeah. Oh, nice. Washington right. State, Washington where State. it's colder than where it is where you are. You know what they say that uh, you're not near Seattle, are you? Well, I'm. I can drive to Seattle, so I guess that's kind of close. Okay. They say that uh, Seattle and Austin are sister cities. <laughs> yeah. Not, well, like a couple of lesbians? Yeah. Oh, wow, man. Did you see the first lesbian kiss? Have you seen this? No, what? Oh, my. What do you mean, first lesbian kiss? Lesbians have been kissing forever. No, this is the first one after the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And oh, the first uh, army lesbian kiss? Navy, Navy. And you, you Google it right now. In the Navy. You've got to look at it because whoever does this PR, chapeau uh, bas and congratulations, willkommen, bienvenue. Great job. Because, you know, if, if this is going to be the first homecoming kiss for a gay couple, you know, you want to ease people into it, right? So, you know, you don't want to have... Uh, Two guys doing that because that just, uh, that, you know, the, the networks might not run it. You know, it's difficult. So they have two girls kissing, but not just two girls. Who's, who's directing this show? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Howard Stern? I, th- I think so. I mean, they are smoking hot. They're beautiful. It's like, wow. Yes, more of that is so smart. <laughs> Check it. Google it right now. Homecoming lesbian I, I kiss. On it. The Telegraph has a copy of it. Aren't they beautiful? Well, I can't tell because they're smooched up against each other. No, CNN's been running the the video footage uh, all morning. Oh, the first lesbian kiss. Woo! Yeah, CNN, our objective news source. Yeah. Anyway, in the morning to you, John, and to all the boots on the ground, drone pilots on the ground, steering the uh, drones in the air, uh, bakers in the kitchen, and, of course, our uh, uh, human resources in the chat room, noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net. Yes, and hi to you too. <laughs> no, that doesn't count. Come on, man. The uh, I'm give, looking at the, the, give the me Navy in the morning. Is, give me an in the morning. In the morning, Adam, and All in right. the morning. I already you said all ships at sea. It took my thunder. It's about the I know, but it's about the in the morning part. Otherwise, I don't don't feel good. So uh, the Navy woman is quite attractive. Mm-hmm. I can't the, the other girls less so, but she's pretty. But the Navy girl, it's almost as though I'm, I'm almost seeing this as. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Maybe this will get these guys off my case. <laughs> it's exactly what I can hear the meeting already. Uh, listen, we got to do this whole home for the holidays because we're coming back from Iraq and everything. And uh, why don't we uh, just slip in a little bit of don't ask, don't tell. You know, these uh, Curry Dvorak guys, they're on to 
the whole bestiality thing now being approved. So we've got to, you know, thwart that. Let's uh, let's let's show them what don't ask, don't tell is really bringing you straight guys. Yeah. Anyway. So in other news, Mm. what have we got? Uh, It's so annoying. News and by been, the way, the, the big news, it seems to me, the top news story is the fact that iTunes isn't carrying the show. Yeah, this is very strange. Because uh, only people who had iTunes were having a problem with it, as far as I can tell. We've had some regional problems with our content delivery network. From time to time, it does happen. Uh, you know, I had uh, Andrew Grummet over there at Mevio blow out the cash, whatever that means. Uh, and he then he rejiggered something, and, and it made no difference. Nothing helped. Yeah, you know, but I don't know. You know, it, uh, these things do worry me. What did we say in the in the show that uh, that uh, someone could have made a call to Apple about? We didn't talk about Apple. No, we didn't don't. talk about Steve Jobs. No, they don't care about that. We didn't that. talk about CRM. Oh, you know, maybe because I said, you know, um, Steve. Jo- when Steve Jobs is bullying people, he's a genius. Maybe that was the episode before. So maybe they said, you know what? Let's show these guys. Let's show these guys who the real bully is. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with Jobs. <laughs> That's right. Screw you know. You want to see some bullying, pal? Here we go. Well, anyway. Yeah, that's right. You were harping on that. Yeah, it could be. It could be. It's a, it wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't put it past them, that's for sure. Why should we be distributing a show that's slamming Apple? Yeah, really. We're, you know, we're, we're doing you a service. We're doing you a favor. Yeah. That's a possibility. Yeah, it is. Well, it's like the Google washing. Man, apparently, uh, noagendashow.com doesn't work at all in Chrome now. And, Chrome, and, and Google has changed something with Chrome. Have you noticed any differences? I don't use Chrome. Okay, because I was using it on uh, on this machine in the studio, uh, and I've changed back to Firefox now. And uh, it, I don't know, it's, it's something they've done something weird. I don't know. It feels like they've done some JavaScript, com, you know, injection combatant thing, whatever. I don't know what the, what they're doing, but it's not behaving like it used to. And now, if you use Chrome and go to noagendashow.com, dot uh, com, very much like we've been Google washed. Uh, it's just an empty page. It doesn't show up. What? Yeah, you see like the banner and that's it. And that's a Squarespace site. It's nothing special. Right. Yeah, we're just using the standard old Squarespace site, so it shouldn't be uh, anything different. I think there's a new version of Chrome that does something funky. Have you checked any other Squarespace sites out? Maybe Squarespace itself is having trouble with Chrome. Mm-hmm. Possible. But then, then again, what happened to all those great standards? And this is not supposed to happen. No, these standards are a joke. Yeah. Standard schmandard. No, I, I was uh, quite irritated by uh, this uh, we can't wait bull crap. Uh, this, this more reality show of the, uh, of the payroll tax cuts here in uh, the United States. And, uh, and I went in. And, you know, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people heard about this here in the United States of Gitmo Nation. But for those outside, what's happening is uh, there are some there's a payroll tax provision which is expiring at the end of the year. And over the first $18,000 that you make, uh, the current payroll tax is 2.5%, I think, and it would go up by like a, a two and a half, two point two 2.1 points or something. So that could result in um, uh, a $1,000 difference 
for just about everybody, I think. Uh, of course, $1,000 makes a different type of difference to people making a lot more money. Yeah, uh, the problem is with that $1,000, it turns out that when people do the calculations, it's nowhere near that, by the way. Well, irregardless. Uh, irregardless. That's not a good use of the, that word. That's, not a, is that a, that's an interesting term, but I don't think it's correct. No, it's not. It's, it's Regardless is what you're supposed regardless. to say. Irregardless is something old women used to say in the 30s. Oh, well, there you go. I'm reincarnated. But I like the. I think we should make it popular. <laughs> we'll do that. Along with Bogative and uh, what was the another one people have been calling me on uh, something else I've been saying wrong. I like cripes. Yeah, that. But talk about old women from the 30s. Right, yeah. Please. No, no. So, uh, so this, but they've boiled it down, and now it's like it's like forty dollars a week, essentially, is what the, somehow they've they've mangled this. And then we've got you know people angry and yelling, and uh, you know they 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 didn't pass the bill in the House that the Senate passed down uh, because uh, that was a two month provision, and no one really tells you the truth. And I I did go in and I did read all the bills because there was like four nine or three. 501, 502, 503, because, you know, these keep, you know, there's versions of these bills and amendments that go back and forth. And uh, I can boil this down to what the real problem is, but the reason why this thing didn't pass in the House, and I have to say, I, I kind of agree with it, is because the way is it's about how it's going to be paid for. That's that's the argument here. And there were two provisions in the, uh, in the bill. Uh, one was it was going to be paid for by... Uh, charging extra fees for people who have a mortgage backed by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. I mean, isn't that like isn't that like taking the money in the back out the back door? Yeah, I mean, it's that's like a good one. here's forty bucks a week. Uh, but if you own your own house, and and I would say uh, people in lower income probably have a mortgage backed by Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. Am I correct? Well, I don't know. Not to necessarily. Be about it. Not necessarily. Probably, but the, the, they back a lot of mortgages, and then we're going to charge you a fee on the front end. We're on the yeah, back end. about 40 or 50 bucks. But there was also in 502 uh, a provision that said, okay, well, here's how we're going to pay for it now by freezing wages on uh, all congressional wages wages, uh, and all federal uh, wages. <laughs> like, uh, they were like, no, we're not going to take it from us and give it to people. We're not going to do that. No, no, no. We're not, we're not going to vote that way. <laughs> I just thought found you know I, I think there's a spin-off show in the making here I think Adam reads the bill so you don't have to because you know if you really go you, through you these, could probably do a half an, a good half hour solid just you do, doing nothing more than reading bills and and and, and pointing out some of the yeah. crazy little provisos that might be my New year's resolution but of course the real problem here is we're talking about 30 billion dollars for two for two months but it, in essence about a hundred billion dollars. Uh, for the entire year, uh, it, how about uh, taking out one submarine? You know, no one is saying. Well, you know, we had this huge six hundred and sixty-seven billion dollar uh, National Defense Authorization Act. You know, why don't we just? I'm sure we can do with one submarine less, one, one underwater base up there in Washington, one underwater submarine base. Do we really need that? Do we really? Make it above water and save a hundred billion. That's 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 the real problem. But uh, no, we have to have a whole reality show. And then the president went to Best Buy. Did you see this? <laughs> These guys. No, me. what happened? He went to Best Buy and uh, purchased. 
um, like a, a Wii game for the kids, whatever it was, it was like forty dollars and sixty three cents. You know, it was <laughs> just to show you know, like the president's forty dollars. I mean, it, these people are sick. I just totally, totally sick. I tell you, you know, it's like really. And the president's like, "Oh, hope my credit card works." By the way, from what I could tell, it looked like he had an American Express black card, diamond encrusted. Well, if you got American Express black, it works. Oh yeah, it always works, regardless. Um, there was one funny thing that I picked up on C-SPAN. A lot of people tweeted about this. And it's not so much what happened is what uh, what C-SPAN said after it happened. Uh, so this was uh, I, so they did the, uh, the the so this was yesterday and the day before yesterday. We had this whole oh, yeah, this whole reality show. Everyone's like it's just a bunch of a-holes just pontificating. And of course, no one cares. It's just, you know, let's finish the script. Go home for Christmas. We don't give a crap. And uh, so then the, yesterday they opened up the house where they do it with the song, a prayer, pledge of allegiance, you know, the <laughs> a circle dance, you know, some voodoo, a little sacrifice on the altar there. And then it was um, who's the who's the speaker uh, or the uh, ah, come on was it Boehner? Yes, it was Boehner. No, it wasn't Boehner. And whoever the guy was, whoever the guy is that, that does the attendance, the roll call and all that from Boehner's office, whatever, Republican. He then immediately wants to shut it down so no more bill can be brought in, you know, to discuss again. And then Steny Hoyer, and this is all a setup. This is totally a setup. Steny Hoyer starts yelling and then the the, the president uh, of the house, uh, the guy who has the gavel, walks off and then he shuts off the microphones and then... He shuts off the C-SPAN cameras. And that's what was interesting about this. Listen to to a bit of this uh, exchange here. With liberty and justice for all. Pursuant to Section 3B of House Resolution 493, the House stands adjourned until 10 a.m. on Friday. Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker. (laughs) I would like to uh, ask for unanimous consent that we bring up the bill to extend the tax cut for 160 million Americans. So the guy's now packing his bag. Off the floor, Mr. Speaker, There's guys picking out. up the, the candlesticks on the left. So many Republicans <laughs> have walked away from middle-class taxpayers. You're walking away. You're screwing people. You don't care. As well from those uh, who will be seeking medical assistance from their doctors. Hoyer. Hoyer. Senior citizens. Hoyer. We regret, Mr. Speaker, that you have walked off the platform <laughs> without addressing the issue of critical importance to this country, and that is the blah, blah, uh, blah. continuation of the middle-class tax cut, the continuation of unemployment benefits for those at Where was all this grandstanding uh, when we could have gotten the $100 billion from a submarine? Where was all that, huh? huh? Who rely on them You're all douchebags. But now here it comes. I am pleased to yield to my friend, Mr. Van Hollen. Well, thank you. So cuts the mic off. <laughs> well, he can yield all he wants. He's not in control of the place. They actually went on for 20 minutes in an empty place, and then they had a press conference about it. But listen, so this happens. Now, now it's just, you know, it's quiet. And then they cut to a shot of, like, a stock so shot. So as you just saw. The- a stock shot of, uh, uh, of the Capitol. And now listen, this is the voiceover from C-SPAN, which I thought was funny. Chair did not recognize Representative Steny Hoyer, instead gaveling the House out of session. And with the House out of session, the House TV gallery ended the video and audio feed from the floor. 
C-SPAN doesn't have control of those cameras. Mr. Hoyer stayed on the floor and spoke about the payroll tax cut for another 23 minutes. (laughs) So C-SPAN doesn't have control. They can shut it off whenever they want. I didn't know that. About that. Yeah, I didn't know that so, they, could, uh, they just said. You know, well, you know, the Democrats, when they were had full power over everything, if we remember when we were doing the show the first two years over the Obama administration, they were cutting guys off left and right, yeah. ending things prematurely, giving sure. people one minute sure. you know, to talk about a, a deep topic. In fact, that's one of the clips I have on the upcoming clip show. Mm. And, and, and by the way, I want to remind people, the clip show, I don't know if even you realize, the clip show is not about clips of us. No, no, it's, uh, no, I do realize because you explained it to me. Yeah. Because JC was saying, well, what, you got some good clips of you guys? No, it's not, that's the joke of it. It's a clip show. It's like a class, you know, it's like, yeah, uh, anyway, it's a, it's a meta gag, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, so they did, the, they pulled this crap and now they're having to pull on there. It's not even being pulled. They had to adjourn. There was no reason to have this discussion. So there was one more thing in the it's grandstanding. Oh yeah, it's all great. It's all a show, exactly. And they're like, "Hey man, the X Factor uh, finale part one is on tonight. We we can do better. We can get better ratings. We can get everywhere. Yeah, Wolf will run it." So there's something else in this uh, 501, which was one of the bills, where they state facts. Whereas, so whereas I didn't know this, the, the Social Security Trust Fund is now running a cash deficit. And over the next 75 years, we'll require an additional $6.5 trillion to pay scheduled benefits. Did you know that? I no, they, I didn't know I thought, they, I thought they always said that it was all good. You know, don't worry about it. Plenty of dough or whatever. So it's at a cash deficit. That, that doesn't sound right. And, and this is a fact because they stated, whereas, like, it's, like everyone knows, this is a fact. It's a fact. No, what where's it stated? What does it say exactly? That's exactly what it says. And so there's a whole bunch of. Uh, hold on, let me open it up again. I already closed it. It wasn't all that great. Uh, this is House Resolution five o two, and so this is kind of like uh, it's it's also grandstanding, but it says here so. Uh, so the resolution, and it says, you know, this is the difference between two months and a year. Uh, it says on September 17th, December 17th, President Obama called for a tax cut for the rest of the, of the year. December 17th, uh, Nancy Pelosi said it should be a full year. The 17th, House Minority Whip Steady Hoyer said it should be a full year. So basically, everyone, everyone said it should be a year. Now, all of a sudden, it's uh, you want two, uh, two months. Uh, and then it says, whereas uh, 2011 working Americans received a temporary payroll tax rate reduction, which allowed the average family to keep $1,000 or more of their annual wages, average family, uh, nearly 170 million workers, blah, blah, blah. And then whereas the imminent expiration of the temporary payroll rate tax reduction is creating further uncertainty for families as well as employers who must adjust withholding amounts from their employees' paychecks, I think is true. And then it says, whereas the Social Security Trust Fund is now running a cash deficit and over the next 75 years will require an additional $6.5 trillion to pay scheduled benefits. There's got to be something fraudulent about this. Uh, yeah, they stole, I mean, they stole this the like, money. This is not what we've been hearing, and this is not. I think by law they can't do that. So something's amiss with this, either the wording or the facts of the... Or, that's all right, that's all right, with the facts. Or, uh, maybe it's just true. Is that possible? Yeah. 
But I think it's true the same way that the post office is losing money. Okay. All right. You know, it's some sort of bookkeeping thing that make it look bad. Oh, or well, some- it's obviously, it's all bookkeeping. It's all imaginary. It's just digits. It's just computer numbers. It's not actual money. It's not like you know, there's a big pot of gold for when I retire. By the way, I was thinking about this post office thing. Yeah. Because, you know, it still galls me that this information is going out the way it is. Mm. I think they really definitely want to get, the post office is required by the Constitution uh, as a delivery mechanism for uh, in, for communications, and I think if they can privatize it or get it out of the of the of the Constitution, I think it's just another way, like the internet switch, hmm. to cut off communications between the public members and the public members. Is that true that it's in the Constitution? There's a post office provision in the Constitution. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I have to go look it up now. But oh, yeah. yeah, hold on. Oh, well, you know what we have to do in that Consult case. The book of knowledge. Uh, independent agency of the United States government responsible for delivering postal service it is one of the few government agencies explicitly explicitly authorized authorized by the United States Constitution. The Postal Clause was added to the Constitution primarily to facilitate interstate communication as well as to create a source of revenue for the early United States. Yeah, how's that working out for you? There were some early... It is actually working out. They're they're soaking them for all their extra money they make. Right. It works out great. Billions. Was it $75 billion in in prepaid retirement fund? Was that it? Yeah, they had to do prepaid retirement funds for 10 years in advance to, to steal the money. Thomas Jefferson feared that the Postal Service would become a source of patronage and a waste of money. <laughs> <laughs> this fear, tur- this is according to Wikipedia, this fear turned out to be somewhat prophetic as the office of the Postmaster General came to take charge of patronage. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> there is some truth to that. The Postmaster General is, is, a, is a bad actor, usually. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen Coops? Uh, no, wait a minute. That was that wasn't the postmaster general. That was, that was the other guy. Who's been postmaster general? Look him up. He's a stooge that's been promoting this idea that they're losing money. Mm, let's see. Hates Who the unions. It? He's just a horrible person. Uh, postmaster generals to present. Let's see who it is. Uh, Patrick R. Donahue. Yeah, Donahue. 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 Uh, let me see. So uh, Obama appointed him. Wow, there's like no. He has. He's been wiki washed. There's nothing on this guy. Huh. So he just yeah, ca- he's, he came he's been brought of, in as a he's a hatchet man. Let me see. Prior to being named Postmaster General, Donahue served as the 19th Deputy Postmaster General, second highest. Da, 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 da. Well, what was he? He's never had a real job. He well, was, sounds like an Obama appointee. <laughs> it sounds good to me. Oh, he was senior vice president of human resources and vice president of Allegheny area operations of the post office. Oh. Hmm. In 1775, when Benjamin Franklin was appointed the first postmaster general, that's when the U.S. post office was uh, initiated. Yeah. Well, I think uh, the post office is still a good thing. He used to be a cabinet member. It was so important. Oh. Really? Well, but I, but you know, uh, your your original point is uh, 
to be able to stop stop communication. Yeah, I guess so. If it's privatized, then then we can do anything we want, right? Yeah. Yeah, the president can just do an executive order. No more fly, no more flights for. for and also, it mail. would eliminate. The, it would no longer be a federal crime to commit all sorts of mail fraud and things such as that. Mm. Oh, and that of course is to protect the lawyers. Because if you send a bill that is fraudulent, then uh, that's uh, mail fraud. Right. That's yeah, how, that's how, lawyers and also yeah. uh, hmm. probably some other onerous potentials there. It's Excellent. not good. No, <laughs> no it's not good. Uh, interesting. So the only other thing that's just been annoying me to no end is this uh, Ron Paul hit jobs. And uh, now uh, we already discussed that we knew that uh, race would play a role in the presidential uh, elections for 2012. Uh, Now this is uh, cropping up. Um, Ron Paul is being hit from all sides. Now there's the television side. There's the print side. The print side is actually much more interesting. But uh, let me play. let me play this uh, clip here, and uh, you'll hear exactly what it's all about. These old uh, Ron uh, Paul. This is Wolf Blitzer. All newsletters, uh, and it's got your name bannered on the top, and some of these comments, as we just heard from Brian's piece, are pretty shocking. Yeah, it is, and of course it's been rehashed a long time, and it's coming up now for political reasons. But everybody knows in my district that I didn't write them, and I don't speak like that, and I, nobody has heard me ever say anything like that. And I've been reelected time and time again, so everybody knows that uh, I don't participate in that type of language. But the point is, is when you bring this question up, you're really saying you're a racist, or are you a racist? And the answer is no, I'm, I'm not a racist. Matter of fact, Rosa Parks is one of my heroes. Martin Luther King is a hero because they practice the libertarian principle. Of of civil disobedience, nonviolence. Libertarians are incapable of being a racist because uh, racism is a collectivist idea. You see people in group. A, a civil libertarian like myself see everybody as an important individual. It's not the color of their skin that is important, as Martin Luther King said. What is important is the character of, of the individual. You know what is really interesting, though, and this might be behind this, because I, as a Republican candidate, probably am getting the most number of black votes and black supporters, and now that has to be undermined. And I do this because I attack two wars that blacks are suffering from. One, the war overseas. In all wars, minorities suffer the most. So they join me in this position I have against the war in Iraq. And what about the war on drugs? What other candidate will stand up and fright in the can and say, I would pardon all blacks, all whites, everybody who are convicted for nonviolent drug acts and drug crimes? And this is where the real discrimination is. Let me finish this uh, because I got to get my message back because you put the other message out so essentially what's going on here is uh they're pulling up these newsletters which yeah uh, yeah the, th- the interesting thing about this clip john it's from 2008 <laughs> this was this is the exact same thing they did in 2008 uh that's why i, I pulled it i was like hey, it's the same thing happening all over yeah, no, again. it's a fractal it's a, oh, oh boy i don't know what my fractal jingle is it's been a while since we've used it sorry about that um, yeah, no, it's a total fractal. What uh, What is interesting, though, is if you listen to... So now the new one they have is they uh, they grab Ron Paul uh, backstage. Uh, Gloria Borger, who uh, is a to- no, oh, total... Oh, and her husband is like a, uh, like a media trainer or something. I don't like her at all. And she goes in the same thing uh, with Ron Paul. But listen to the end... 
where she's basically, hey, man, don't hate me. You know, it's my job. You know, I have to do this because he, he takes off his mic, which, by the way, bad advice to Ron. Paul, don't do that. That makes you look really bad. Walking off set makes you look and it wasn't even on set because he got hijacked backstage. But it makes you look bad, and that's what they're. That's the entire point here is to do this. Well, pestered me about this, and uh, CNN does it every single time. So well, when are you going to wear yourself out? I mean, out? when you say it's no, but when you, are you, you know, do that? is it legitimate? I mean, is it a legitimate question to ask that something yeah. went out? And when you get the an- name, and when so- you get the answer, it's legitimate that you uh, sort of take the answers. I get. You know what the answer is? I I didn't re- write them. I didn't read them at the time, and I disavowed them. That is the answer. Well, it's just a question. I mean, it's legitimate. It's it's, yeah, it's no, come it's on. Not. It's legitimate. Well, it gets worse. Legitimate. <laughs> These things are pretty incendiary. You know the it's because I, of people like you. No, 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 no. Come on. Some of the stuff was very incendiary, and you know, saying that in, in 1993 mic. the Israelis were responsible for the bombing of the World Trade Center, that kind of yeah, stuff. Okay. Goodbye. All right, all right. Thank you, Congressman. I appreciate your answer. I appreciate your answering the questions, and you understand it's our job to answer. You understand it's our job to be an a-hole. You understand it's our job. And she has this apologetic look on her face because she knows she's doing something horrible. Yeah. Now now we have, uh, I'll just run Her husband's Lance Morgan, a lobbyist. Oh, yeah. Works for Powell Tate. Oh, yeah, go figure. Now there's some new words. We already had the Ron Paul army, but there's a new word on the scene that is being used. We're rooting for you. He might be 76, but you could tell he was feeling the mojo. The mojo. It's now it's the mojo. Albeit a Ron Paul type of mojo. It's a special what? kind of mojo. It's ABC. What? Yeah, it's a special kind of mojo. 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 They were in the 1960s. <laughs> gets gets worse. Get the government out of everybody's life. This libertarian who wants to abolish Medicare, who opposes most all foreign intervention, but wants to legalize drugs. This is so not true. <laughs> he doesn't want to legalize drugs. He says they should be legal. There's a big difference in how this. You know, they should be decriminalized. Is what the term really term term really is? Right. Knows he has a shot in Iowa. Why? The, the one thing you're missing here, which you have to probably play again just to get it, this guy's voice. He is making fun of him with his voice. Totally. Well, he just wants to do this, and, and he wants to do that. And, well, yeah. No. That. Well, I'm not. I mean, borderline Krusty the Clown. <laughs> Let's let her crusty the clock. He was feeling the mojo. The mojo. Albeit a Ron Paul type of mojo. mojo. I just say get the government out of you. So there's this mojo word everywhere. Uh, wait a minute. There's a couple other things in this report that I had to play. Nice life. This libertarian who wants to abolish Medicare, who opposes most all foreign intervention, but wants to legalize drugs, knows he has a shot in Iowa. Why? He told ABC's John Carl it's his supporters. They're very sincere and true believers, and they're going to be there, and they're not going to be sent away because the wind is blowing. A small army of young, committed disciples. But the problem? A bigger army that's not fighting. Army! Army! Troops! Crazy! Wacky! Kooky! And now... Yeah, no, the message is clear. Yeah, now... And it's his delivery that really gets me. I mean, this is not a guy doing a serious news reporting, no, a serious news reportage. He's, no. he, is, he is mocking it with his 
with his light-hearted manner. And then he's just, and that's just the way it is with this crazy old crazy guy. Crazy kooky dude with some mojo. There's more mojo talk, though. This is like the word of the day. Here's my question. Does anyone come back once they go into purgatory, politically speaking? Because I'm thinking of how Michelle Bachman had some mojo, and then she faded. And Herman Cain had mojo and faded. And Rick Perry had it and faded. But it seems like they never come back. If Newt is truly fading now... Is he done? Or so this whole idea of the mojo is, is weird to me. I mean, there must be some memo must have gone out where this word was used or something that people are like, yeah, let's put, throw the mojo thing in. What do you think? I don't know what the memo is, but somebody picked it up. And or you know, they, you know, you have to remember that when you're in a uh, big news organization like CNN or any of them, the walls are covered with monitors with every news feed they can possibly think of pumped into one monitor or another and they're and when you're standing around doing nothing you tend to be watching these things and you'll punch up the sound on one or the other and but they'll you know i i think they just it's one of these it's just group think i don't think any memo when i think it's just somebody that's a great idea for where let's use it another guy <laughs> use it another guy use it next thing you know it's like becomes a john stewart bit where they just cut one from yeah, one the mojo to mojo to mojo mojo yeah. to mojo so these are uh, two, uh, actually, advisors, one for McCain, I think, and uh, although they pretend to be Democrats, they, uh, they uh, advise McCain on his uh, campaign, and Bush, actually. And uh, this guy really, really takes it all the way out there on Ron Paul. If you look at the Iowa caucuses over the last couple of election cycles, there's always been a lot of turbulence around them in the days preceding. I wonder if you're going to see Rick Santorum maybe make a move up here. One of the few candidates that really all hasn't right. had a shot in the limelight yet. Guy. But, Hold on. You know, as you look at this race, it does seem Shut to be up. stabilizing in Mitt Romney's favor right now. Ron Paul right. says he's not the one who signed these, wrote these. He's not sure who did. Bob Shrum, what's the impact? Well, I don't know whether he wrote them or not, but the truth of the matter is that he oh. published them. I think they're disqualifying. I think Steve's absolutely right. He's not only unacceptable inside the Republican Party, outside the mainstream of the Republican Party, he's unacceptable in America. He's a disqualified presidential candidate, and not just because of what he's written. But he could win. Oh, not just because of what he's written. I guess there's other stuff. There's whatever. But that wasn't as bad as the uh, Wall Street Journal this morning a uh, member of the editorial board dorothy rabinowitz uh, writes uh, ron paul uh, can't, i'm paraphrasing one who is the best known of our homegrown propagandists for our chief enemies in the world <laughs> one who has made himself a leading spokesman for and recycler of the long and familiar litany of charges that point to the United States as a leading agent of evil and injustice, the military victimizer of millions who only want to live in peace. And then she goes on. And, and you need to read the whole thing, by the way. It's in the show notes. There can be no confusions about Dr. Paul's own comments about the U.S. after 9-11. He said to students in Iowa, there was glee in the administration because now we can invade Iraq. True. It takes a profoundly environment. Yeah, they had planned. We've discussed this, and it's very well documented. They had planned to invade Iraq, and now they had the excuse. It takes a profoundly envenomed mindset, one also deeply at odds with reality, to believe and to say publicly that the administration of this nation brought so low with grief and loss after the attack had reacted with glee. There are, to be sure, a number of like-minded citizens around like the 9-11 truthers 
whose opinions Dr. Paul says he doesn't share, but we don't expect to find their views in people running for the nation's highest office. She reminds me of people like Hitler, yeah. whose opinions she doesn't share. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, it, it's outrageous. Now, totally outrageous, and that's a piece of propagandistic writing, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, that you should uh, you should deconstruct yourself and take a look at it as 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 very onerous. Well, there's a better one. Uh, also, Wall Street Journal, they evaluated Ron Paul's um, investment and savings portfolio. This guy is so un-American, John. Listen to this. <laughs> 21% of, actually it says yes, about 21% of Representative Paul's holdings are in real estate and roughly 14% in cash. But he owns no bonds or bond funds and only has 0.1% in stock funds. Furthermore, the stock funds that Representative Paul does own are all short or make bets against U.S. stocks. One is a double inverse fund that on a daily basis goes up twice as much as its stock benchmark goes down. The remainder of Ron Paul's portfolio, fully 64% of his assets, is entirely in gold and silver mining stocks. He owns no Apple, no ExxonMobil, no Procter & Gamble, no General Electric, no Johnson & Johnson, not even a diversified mutual fund that holds a broad basket of stocks. Representative Paul doesn't own stock in any major companies at all, even except big, big precious metal stocks like Barrick Gold, Gold Corp, and Newmont Mining. So they actually say in this article he is anti-American because he doesn't own... It Ameri sounds like he's got a pretty balanced portfolio yeah. for someone who's a bear. Yeah, he says he's betting on the American economy crashing. Yeah? Yes. <laughs> and that's somehow un-American? This is what people do. Unless you're a banker, then it's all good, I guess. If you're a banker, make out no matter what happens. So, you know... That is bogative. That is the worst kind of sleazy writing ever. I told you it was So the guy holds a short position, and he's, he's long gold and real estate. Yeah. So what? Yeah, no, then you're un-American, and you don't invest in American companies. 50% like owner of Al Jazeera. <laughs> he's a weapons maker. Yeah. <laughs> uh. No, but this hit job. So it's, I don't know. Do you think? And by he, the way, uh, you should we always remember that Fox News, which hates Ron Paul, hates him, is the uh, same ownership as the Murdoch. Wall Street Murdoch. Oh, yeah. It's Murdoch. So, um, what do you think? Can he survive this? Yeah, I think he can. I think he can actually win Iowa because because I, I still think the reaction. I think the public is is a little more tuned into this than these guys want to believe. And by, by the way, I think I a lot of folks so. are not swayed by anything in the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're going to vote. They're not going to vote for Ron Paul anyway, so it's meaningless. But I think the, lot, the majority of the public is really, I think the American public, generally speaking, is very much into what's fair, and they see this as being an unfair situation, so they're going to vote for Ron Paul. I think he could win Iowa. And I think he can win New Hampshire, which would really screw things up. He would. Do you remember... Um, New Hampshire people aren't dummies. In 2008, we talked about this guy, David Cohen, who uh, was a... Um, he was... Well, before we do that, can we, let's thank our executive producers okay. and get that. All right. Well, let's not just get it out of the way. Let's uh, put them in the, in the limelight because... Because that's where they belong. And donating is loving. It is. So uh, we have a bunch of, uh, this is an odd, odd uh, show. We have one executive producer and one, two, three, four, 
five, I guess five or five or six associate executives. It's wow, never okay. seen that before. That's cool. Dwayne Melanson, Sir Melanson to you in Tigard, Oregon. Um, he's up there with Winnie the Pooh and Tigard. And uh, it might be Tigard, but I think it's Tigard. 367 in the morning, gentlemen. Sir Dwayne here started donating with show 184 uh, right after I started listening. That was $365 a day donation. So it's $365, which is, I think, a reasonable dollar a day. Uh, next year is leap year, so I'm prepaying for 2012 plus a bonus <laughs> dollar since I got forgot to donate early enough to hit show 366. This has been a great year, and I'm looking forward to another. And please toss me a shot of karma. That's so kind of you, Sir Dwayne. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. You've got karma. I feel loved. Our nights, they always come through in the darker days of the year. Herbert Harms in Great Bend, Kansas, 250. Here's some value for value for the hard work and effort you both put into the show. I hope you and all the other producers have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you. Very nice. Uh, or Andrew Kirby in Cedarville. I don't have where Cedarville is. Do you? Mm, Ohio. Two three three thirty three. Uh, he's from Bible thumping New Orleans, friend. Maybe it's, I don't know. oh no, he says from your Bible thumping New Orleans, friend. Back in September, my daughter's toe was smushed like a grape, and I donated to ask for prayer from you guys since I've been working uh, with insurance companies to get the cost of two hospital visits down to a minimum. I've succeeded. She's in full recovery. By the way, he sent us some pictures of this toe. Oh. I want to tell the producers out there, don't do that. <laughs> that was that was harsh. <laughs> I'm like, wow. I was, and she's, he, she looks like... She, yeah, but this cute little girl with a, yeah. with a smashed toe. A I think this is the guy who looks like Brad Pitt, who gave us, oh. the, who gave us the Bibles. Oh, okay. Yeah, so nice I guy. thought I'd donate 200 for the executive producer credit and 3333 for the podcast license. I'm a fellow podcaster over at marvel16politics.com. It's about comic books. Marvel616politics.com. Let's get that straight. I must confess that I've, as long, I don't know what 616 refers to, but something. But listen, never fully heard Adam's theory on the alien presence here on Earth. Please share in full detail. Well, I have a, we have something for the second half of the show that's a little like that, but we, I don't know if we're going to go through the Adam's whole theory. Uh, not and lastly, I apologize if I bug you, bug you guys with my emails because uh, Adam's always annoyed. I mean to agree with a lot of what you guys say because of my biblical education, even though you, you and I don't believe the same things. We're on the same page with where the country and planet are going. Uh, get out the red book. I predict a global currency, one world government, and, a, and then it gets truncated. <laughs> one world, I have a little bit, one world religion, even if that religion is science. And if aliens come for us, that will quicken the idea that salvation of mankind will come only through unity in something. Okay. Uh, Thank you very much, uh, Andrew. Get to knighthood so we can call you sir. Anonymous in uh, Hamilton, Ohio. Uh, hi, guys. It's been a while since I checked in, but after the torture, Adam put himself through reading that monstrous defense bill so we don't have to. I feel compelled to compensate. Great work as always. I hope this donation pushes me over the knighthood. Please knight me a sir spike. <laughs> okay. Right on. Okay. Yeah, look forward to it. Let me just make sure. I think it's spike on the on the list. Here uh, cool. Jay Ragusa in Greenwich, Connecticut, two twelve. Recording the D, since recording the DSC. Since you moved me recently to tech, you moved recently to Texas. You'll now understand the concept of energy supplier choice and that deregulation is for real. And then he goes on about his company launching a service in Texas next year. And uh, not seeing it's lone, LoneWolfPower.com. Lone Wolf Power. Is this one of these MLM marketing things? Uh, it's a possibility, but he's lonewolfpower.com. You can check it out. And I've never, I've 
I'm not, I can't get behind these ML, M, multi-level marketing deals. He says he's, he's donated $212, the boiling point of water. That's cute. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. Well, we'll take a look at your... I will take a look at lonewolfpower.com. Thank you. Dean Carson in uh, Nairn, South Australia, 200 bucks. Merry Christmas. And that wraps up our executive producers and associate executive producers for show 367. And, of course, these credits will be listed in the show notes at 367.nashownotes.com. They're real credits. Uh, this is not just some, uh, some like, jokey thing we do. Yeah, and so you can go to Dvorak.org slash NA, channeldvorak.com slash NA, noagendanation.com, and noagendashow.com, except with the Chrome browser, which we should talk about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, help us uh, continue our efforts. Thanks. We want to thank you very much. And remember, Dvorak.org slash NA. Donating is loving. A few um, PR associates have checked in, done a little bit of help. Uh, the drone stuff seems to be... Uh, quite popular as uh, websites at forward to noagendashow.com, which can no longer be viewed in the Chrome browser. Uh, don't uh, drone dot home dot com dot net dot org and dot info drone dot home. So, uh, okay. Usable save page as dot com. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, he has an idea here. The ultimate plan was save save page as dot com is to build a service you can enter a URL and save it off with tags and everything. It'll be anonymous, 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 no logs will be kept, and no requests to remove items will be accepted. It will be hosted offshore. Okay, we'll look forward to that. I uh, like that idea. <laughs> it's a good idea. Yeah, save because a lot of people, I always tell people this, you know, they say, well, here, go look at you. Somebody says, look at this link. And this is gone. unbelievable what just gone. happened. You yeah. go to the link, it's dead. You have to save page as. Very important. Uh, of course, we uh, talked about the change of the psycho- psychological operations as a department of the Department of Defense to uh, the Military Intelligence Support Operations, MISO. And uh, we now have MISOPS.com, which is good. M-I-S-O-P-S.com, MISOPS.com, and MISODrone.com. Excellent. Glad those were not taken yet. And, of course, we have the new triple X top-level domain, which has just been released, John, the .xxx, which I think are very expensive, aren't they? I believe they're 125 bucks a pop. Well, we are the proud owners of FEMA.xxx. <laughs> <laughs> now forwarding to noagendashow.com. <laughs> we could probably make more money with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine like way they have Lucy Napolitano in, in like whips and chains and stuff? Really kind of cool. Uh, dronepilotsjobs.com. Dronepilotjobs.com. If you're looking to uh, get a gig as a drone pilot, you will uh, automatically search in Google for dronepilotjobs.com and be shuttled off to the No Agenda Show website. And then finally from Valan, <clears throat> Adam, I hope you're well. Really sorry I haven't heard from you sooner. The No Agenda game is not done as well as I'd hoped. Remember he made an iPhone game, a No Agenda game, which actually right. is quite cool. Um, and I think what happened is it costs 99 bucks a year you know, to keep something up in the app store. It's not like free. You have to be a developer. You have to be a current developer. So they're sending out their, uh, <clears throat> they're sending out their uh, renewal notices. Uh, anyway, the game's not, not done as well as I hoped, and I couldn't send the money easily, uh, and I'm still a boner, basically. 
And a few a few months a few months ago, I had an epiphany. I could rewrite an unpublished game and donate that. Um, what he has done is he has given us a zip file of the entire game package. It includes no agenda graphics, sounds, uh, and uh, it's ready to go. And that will be also linked in the show notes, 367.nashownotes.com. Uh, you'll find it as na-game.zip. So feel free to grab the code uh, and go and uh, make a, you know, polish up the game, make your own game, uh, have some fun with it. So I thought that was kind of a cool idea. Open source gaming development here on uh, No Agenda. Right? I love it. Yeah, I thought you did. Everyone else out there, you do have a very important mission is to go out and propagate our formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. New World Order. Type it with me now. Shut up, slave. So apparently the Republicans are trying to make hay with this Joe Biden gaffe. Uh, where he said we're not actually fighting the Taliban. Yeah, and here's a classic example of how this, how it's like, how it's played by some of these uh, stooges, including John McCain, the guy who, who would have been president. Um, play his clip, and he's trying to answer a question that's about one thing, and then he can't hold it back anymore million dollars by uh, uh, his departure because uh, we were about again for the umpteenth time to try to bribe the North Koreans into abandoning their nuclear arsenal with millions of dollars in food aid, which uh, most of which, as we find out, goes into the hands of the elite and does not do anything to alleviate the suffering of the people of North Korea, which is horrendous. We we just saw the departure of one of the most uh, brutal dictators uh, in history. The people that can fact, the, the situation in North Korea is not the United States, it's the Chinese. The Chinese propped them up. If the Chinese wanted them to act in a responsible way and move forward towards a, a democratic, uh, unified uh, Korean peninsula, they could do that. Instead, the Chinese continue to prop them up. Monica, I don't mean to change the subject, but the latest outrage, of course, is the vice president's statement that the Taliban is not our enemy. I've been flooded with comments and tweets. He's brought on the show uh, to talk about Kim Jong-il. Yeah. And he goes off the tracks. (laughs) He's an idiot. He's a total idiot. By the way, I do feel bad uh, for you. Personally. Yeah, and I got a lot of notes and people expressing their concern uh, that, you know, one of your ultimate wishes in life would be to drink uh, some of uh, Kim Kim uh, Jong-il's wine collection. I, I feel bad for you. Yeah, I'm, I doubt if his kid, uh, Kim Jong-un, what kind of a name is that? And by the way, how, how do you like the Kim Jong-il dying on a train? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> I don't want to laugh about someone dying, but oh, man. No, but on the train. I got an interesting note talking about to China from one of our producers. You know, a lot of people think he's been dead for a year. Oh, yeah. Uh, Adam and John, I live in uh, Paulette City, Missouri, which is across the Missouri River, about 10 miles from Leavenworth. I know you're familiar with what goes on in Leavenworth, but here's something you might not know. Many of my neighbors are very high up in the military, and some, I've learned, are in the CIA. Last night, we had a cocktail. This is our listeners, dude. This is good. Last night, we had a cocktail party. I invited many of them. 
I edged in with some crackpot stuff. <laughs> you got to be careful now. Next thing I know, we are toasting the Chiners. I had them calling them the Chiners, and they were in tears laughing so hard. They understand how much of an issue the Chiners are becoming. However, when I said the proxy wars are going on and they're going to be more frequent because the economy needs to, to uh, run in order to pay for the military, heads swiveled. One guy leaned over in, uh, later in the night and said, war is coming between Israel and Iran, so naturally we'll have to help Israel out. Next year, October, he said. Whoa. Wow. Pretty big, Whoa. right? Pretty big. And I think the uh, Georgia thing plays into this. Um, reports now, there was, a, of course, the Russian report, obviously. So this would be the October surprise. Well, that's exactly what it is, the surprise. We have to go into war because no seating, no president in office has ever been voted out during war. Um, so, the, so the game that has to be played out in Washington is to keep us from going, from, or keep Israel from doing the, whatever this is they're doing. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And of course, they're, they're, so you have two sides lined up. You have the sides that go on and on about, oh, they got a nuke. It's going to go off. Yeah. We got to stop them. They got to stop their, the development of the nuke. And then you have the side saying, they got no nuke. Well, they're trying to they stop. Develop, they don't even want a nuke. Well, they're trying to, uh, you know, the I read defense.aol.com, which you really should. I mean, it's for the defense industry. Um, and it's, and it, you know, it's news from the perspective of guys who make a lot of money, you know, building stuff that kills people. And, uh, so there, you know, there's actually, uh, an article here, UN inspectors seek smoking gun in Iranian nuclear program. And it goes into detail about how the IA, IAEA report actually didn't have a smoking gun. But now this is weird in terms of the use of uranium metal. If you're doing work on nuclear weapons research, at some point you might want to use natural uranium metal as a surrogate material when you're testing to see whether or not your nuclear design will function properly. Apparently, Iran used tungsten as a surrogate for fissile for a fissile core. Tungsten? Really? What? When you, did you not I'm, not? I'm not following this. Okay, so if you so they're trying to find some proof, right? They're trying to find proof that Iran is building a nuclear weapon, and so now they're saying that if you're doing work on nuclear weapons research, and you don't have like uh, you know some uranium metal hanging around because they don't you use tungsten, you use tungsten, and which so, is heavy. It's like uranium. It's right. Similarly- so now they're showing uh, how now basically you watch for the report. Iran has been acquiring tungsten. <laughs> you watch for the report. And before, I think somebody should twist that story. This you say they're acquiring tungsten to bring back one of our old stories, which is to yes. is to mix with gold or to gold plate and sell as gold bars. But well, that's why it caught my eye. I'm like, wow. Yeah, no, I would, it would catch, every time I hear tungsten, I, it catches my eye, too, because of that gold thing. So they're just trying to do it, but they can't. I, I think the whole thing will start. We'll have uh, the Israeli drones, uh, which, of course, we build uh, in Georgia, because that is what uh, Secretary of State Lucifer Clinton is going to go uh, sell, which is already in the National Defense Authorization Act. It's been approved, uh, and that is going to be sold to Georgia, and I think that's where the attack on Iran will come from. So they only have to overfly. Or they, only, they have to really overfly. They can go around. Uh, what's next to Georgia? Isn't it Azerbaijan? Or uh, Azerbaijan, something? yeah. They only have to fly around it. 
So uh, that is not for the Russians. That's to, right. that's to kick off the war. I think you know this is this is pretty sad. I think I think the October surprise. I think it's really going to happen. They're doing everything they can and tying in Syria at every everywhere they can. Is there anything in the New York Times on Syria today? Uh, I don't have the paper since I've been Washington State. Oh, okay, because the Arab League is you know is now saying oh you, you know they have all these shocking images of violence and child abuse and they're torturing children and they're killing children. We've heard this script before. And they can, and everywhere you turn on the BBC, you find this Syrian Observatory for Human Rights. And you can find them at syriahr.com. And uh, so I'm looking into this Syrian Observatory for Human Rights, which, by the way, is an awesome name. We need to have a name like that. Just put no hum- agenda observatory for human rights. Yeah. I mean, as long as you have human rights in your title somewhere, you're good to go. And uh, they are a, an extension of Al Jazeera. In fact, their live blog is hosted by Al Jazeera. Oh, so, really? Oh, yeah. They, and so, you know, if you're uh, part of Al Jazeera, then you essentially are a, a mouthpiece for the Arab League. And I'm looking at this website, and you registered in 2006. And we know from the WikiLeaks cables that the, the State Department funneled as much as $6 million into a number of uh, Syrian opposition NGOs in 2006. So this is a totally financed operation. But every single day, there's the, on the BBC in particular, there's another guy who works for the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights, and people don't question who these guys are. There's no question. And they're in London. They're, they're not in Syria. They're in London. And no one questions them. No one questions them at all. And they're just like, here's the authority. You know why? Because of the cool name, Observatory for Human Rights. So we should be the no agenda. So do we have any of the names of the people involved in this? I'm sorry? Do we have any names besides Al Jazeera? Um, you can't. It, it's more of those names that when you Google them, then it's impossible to find. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah those names yeah. that are, yeah. you know. Yeah. Al-Shabaab. Yeah, Al-Shabaab. There's a lot going on with Al-Shabaab. No, I'm talking about Al. Oh, Al. Oh, really, Al. Big Al-Shabaab, <laughs> not, not Al-Shabaab. <laughs> Big Al-Shabaab. <laughs> Remember Djibouti? We were talking about Djibouti? Yeah. Oh, uh, one of our producers did a lot of work on that. Djibouti, the reason why we have all this money going to Djibouti, this little pimple of a country in Africa. Yeah, it's a small, it's like a city-state. Yeah, well, that's where we have a huge drone base. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's where we launched the drones from. Duh. Another Djibouti drone, everybody. So obvious. So I'm listening to a couple of interesting... Actually, I want to kind of transition to the EU for a minute. Oh, good. Uh, this came up there. Apparently, uh, I was a little baffled by the sovereign rights uh, commentaries that took place on CNBCW's uh, uh, f- fast talk, fast track, whatever it's called. The show, the overnight show on the stock it's, market. By the way, it's CNBC World, which is what it is, is really good. It is so much I better than, than the propaganda that CNBC in the States is. They have some actual people on and they don't question them. <laughs> it's just like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, so play Sovereign Rights 
seeing here now in the Eurozone. He's actually warning us that... I like her. This is the, the crazy Norwegian chick with the pointy hairdo. Yeah. What's her name again? I don't know. It has catastrophic results if the Eurozone would fall apart, if Europe would fall apart, because that would as well mean that we can't really compete with emerging markets like Asia and as well the United States and other regions in the world which are growing very fast. And that is the main point Ackermann is saying, and that we as well should give up sovereign rights um, in order to save that Eurozone. And with that, I'm sending it back over to you. I'm so- <laughs> well, d- what don't you understand? Well, she says this, but then if you play the second clip where he, uh, the British guy, makes a comment, uh, it's quite interesting because it, it brought it brought up a definition issue with me. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, well, I was really enjoying that actually because I, I was kind of getting what you're saying. What Joseph Ackerman is saying then is not that there should be a renaissance of a European spirit, but a renaissance of federal Europe. I think they're two very different things, but I guess that's probably where he's coming from. A renaissance. Okay, so he says it's, it, it, he made the comment that federal Europe, mm-hmm. which is what I always thought they were kind of going for anyway. But I didn't realize that the British have their own definition of federal. And, and so when he said it, it wasn't like as a good thing. The British actually think of a federal federated Europe or as, as not what we think of as a federal system where you have a separation of balance of separation of states that all have their own powers, which we're losing, by the way, and a a balanced government. In British parlance, federated Europe, and that's why he said in a condescending manner, means a a European super state, a giant dictatorship. Right. Right, yes, but I mean, it's interesting because we can't, by letting the word federated or federal Europe go into the parlance is something uh, what Americans will never perceive that as necessarily a bad thing. Ah, okay. Well, you know, it's interesting you bring this up because I was watching Haiku Herman, president of the United States of Europe, and he does this like half Christmas message, which by the way, how rude is that if, if you're the president of the United States of Europe and there's no happy Hanukkah, there's no uh, nothing about uh, uh, Kwanzaa. I mean, it's only Christmas. Uh, and he... And well, he mentions or Festivus, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Festivus, exactly, or Solstice, whatever. And, and so he's he's now calling for a new meeting. We have to have a new meeting on the thirtieth of January because, of course, that's around the thirtieth of January. I think we'll be at the crisis stage again. So he's preparing for it. But he also uses some really interesting Federalist language uh, that I think. Well, just bear with me and listen to it, and uh, you'll hear it. Hello, Heiko. Welcome to the meeting room of the European Council of Heads of State or Government. This room is empty now, <laughs> but it's very busy during our meetings. And last time our discussions lasted even throughout the night. Ooh, we had to work at night. By the way, I- what is a hat of state? Is that like something they wear? Is <laughs> yeah, it's like just a, a whole bunch of hats. Yeah. It's like <laughs> a bunch of hipsters. <laughs> Are you making fun of his uh, pronunciation again, John? Mm. Wait until you hear about his gross grossness. Next summit is already scheduled for 30 January. 30. I'm prepared. Dirty 30. It's dirty, dirty January is the date. During this meeting intensively. It will be focused on jobs. Jobs. And that's a big challenge in a context where zero growth is expected <laughs> in most of our economies. In some of them, there will even be a recession. We must take strong action on employment. 
Bringing financial stability to the Eurozone remains absolutely key for our future. We have taken major decisions this year to overcome the sovereign debt crisis. Sovereign debt crisis. Now, okay, we're getting into it. Almost all our member states are engaged in huge reform programs, Mm. aiming at more competitiveness for our companies and at much sounder public finances. There is a social way out of the crisis. Very important. There is a social way out of the crisis, which I think means we're going to take society's money. At the level of the union, we are helping, monitoring and surveilling. Don't you love that? At the level of the union, up here, Starfleet Command, we're way above all you little stupid social minions. Oh, this guy is such an a-hole. It's a joint effort. Uh-huh. The path is long. Longer than we expected. Now here it comes. But let there be no doubt. There is a fundamental political will to move forward as a union, respecting fully each other's situation. The legacy of our founding fathers. What? What? The legacy of our founding fathers. Wow. I mean, did he like... That's a beauty. That's a great catch. Did he like take a a presidential speech from the American... uh, I mean, this was founding fathers. fathers. This was the founding fathers of the EU. It's a bunch of bureaucrats. Listen. The legacy of our founding fathers, a continent of peace, democracy, and prosperity. (laughs) Where were you? (laughs) Peace, prosperity, and I don't know, a couple of people got hurt here and there. I mean, wow. There is no, that's just lying. This is not a legacy of peace and prosperity. It's a legacy of war and destruction. Yeah, totally. Or did I read the wrong book? Well, I don't know. The, the, the legacy of our founding fathers. Well, I, I won't play the Christmas bit. It's just annoying. No, no, play. No, I love this oh, okay. It's too impressive. Impressive. We have a moral duty to continue this mission. Mm. We owe this in the first place to our fellow Europeans. Mm-hmm. Like many of you, I will celebrate Christmas at home at with home. my family. Yes. And this time, for the very first time, with my granddaughter. Oh. I'm convinced that she and all other young Europeans will grow up in a vibrant and lively European Union. (laughs) To all of you, I wish a Merry Christmas and a happy start of the new year. And to all, a good night. The legacy of the Founding Fathers. Who were the Founding Fathers of Europe? Uh, George Washington. (laughs) (laughs) A second, let's uh, Founding (laughs) Fathers of Europe. The guy is insane. Oh, there's a Wikipedia entry. Here we go. I'm sure you've heard of these guys. Strictly speaking, seven politicians uh, were key in launching the European played construction. played a key role. Yes. Which means what? I don't know. They showed up for lunch? <laughs> Surely you've heard of Conrad Adenauer. Yes, well, Conrad, he's the only famous name on there. Joseph Beck, Johann Willem Bayern. Oh, he's a Dutch guy. Let me see who that guy was. Let me see. I don't even know oh, who he yeah, is. Oh, yeah, Dutch banker. Okay. No, I have to look any further. Dutch banker? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, founding <laughs> father. A banker. A Dutch banker. Yeah. <laughs> Alcide de Gaspari from Italy. Who was he? Was he a banker too? No, they, they call him one of the founding fathers. Of the, uh, wow, I had no idea. This is an actual uh, a, a badge of honor. Hmm. 
Jean Monet? Is that the painter? He's considered to be the uh, uh, chief architect. Mm. Kind of like uh, Sergei. The, Ser- the Sergei of the EU. Robert Schumann from Schumann from France. Uh, independent political thinker and activist. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Paul-Henri Spack. Who was that? Uh, he's from a distinguished Belgian family. Hmm. Socialist. Hmm. All right, well, there you go. There's your founding fathers. They should put them on the euro coins. Yeah, they should. Yeah, and on the, on the banknotes. Conrad Adenauer. So we all can salute him and refer to him as uh, <clears throat> the founding fathers. Huh, interesting. All right. So I stand corrected. They have founding fathers. I think this is a, is, is a construct. Explain. I think this is dreamed up as a, as a, I think they felt the need to have founding fathers. I don't know when this took place, but uh, let's take a look at, where's the wiki discussion? <laughs> when did this page, for example, crop up on Wikipedia? Mm, oh, there you go. Now, now, now we were doing some, this is the kind of work we do uh, all the time, by the way. Although we never do it together, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but this is exactly how it works. Is when I when I see people debating a bill on television, I go and read the bill so I can understand what it's really about. When we see something crop up, you see something, you gotta consult. Say the book. something. <laughs> you gotta con- <laughs> no, you gotta consult the book of knowledge. If you see something, say something. You gotta consult the book of knowledge. I mean, it's worth it. So often, people will send me links to stuff. I'm like, wow. So man. Uh, this, this seems to be, this seems to have been created in 2007. <laughs> the page? <laughs> well, that's yeah. it. That's when the founding fathers were recognized. <laughs> this guy, somebody, Jay Logan, created the page. They have a the wiki has a, a time, timeline you can access. Created the page with the founding fathers of the European Union. Number of men who have been recognized as made. So what they've done, they probably had a meeting yeah. at the EU. <laughs> so, so what are we doing? This is we got to <laughs> have some founding fathers here. We got to follow some models that work. Now, can you um, can you click on that guy's link and see what other pages he's created? Jay Logan. Yeah, that's yeah, always the fun thing to do. Uh, By the way, we're, we're teaching. Man, he's a EU guy. Yeah, but what, what other pages has he created? That's harder to determine just quickly. Really? Oh, well, that doesn't make any sense. I can well, see all this crap he's done. Well, while you're looking at that, uh, a couple other Euroland uh, All notices. Eurozone stuff. Yeah, of course. He works in the EU building. It's his job. He is the Ministry of Truth. Go and create the Founding Fathers. Okay. Who do we put in there? I don't know. Put a banker in, throw in a socialist. And make sure they're from different countries. Yeah, and make sure you got one from Belgium and one from Luxembourg, because that's where we got our building. So we got to make that all look good. Yeah, make sure there's a French guy. Make sure there's a German for sure. Otherwise, yeah, ooh, we're never going to get it. Tr- what about trouble. an Italian guy? Yeah, throw throw an Italian in. Yeah, it's a big is country. There, is there an Italian on the list? Mm-hmm. Okay, we got the Italian covered. What about, uh, let's see, the Swiss guys? We can't put it. There's obviously <laughs> none we, of them. We don't we, even need We already EU. have the Dutch banker in. Don't worry about it. It's we all good. We got a Dutch banker. We got, <laughs> what about a British guy? Is there a British guy in there? No, they, they don't count. That's why they're out. Oh, the British guy's been left out. No wonder they feel snubbed. <laughs> they're not one of the founding fathers. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, uh, let me see. Let me see. We had a um, a banker take over Greece. We have a uh, Goldman Sachs guy running the European Central Bank. We have uh, another uh, Goldman Sachs guy running Italy. 
now uh, we have a new prime minister in uh, Spain, and uh, that is a Foreman Lehman Brothers banker. (laughs) (sighs) You can't write this stuff. You really can't. But the European Central Bank, and this is why the Lehman thing was interesting to me, came out with a statement, and I'll read this statement to you. Positive market responses to European measures aimed at stemming the crisis appear to have been short-lived. This is the European Central Bank, the Federal Reserve of Europe. Indeed, a bumpy ratification process appears to have contributed to additional market uncertainties. At the same time, downward revisions to the outlook for macroeconomic growth contributed to a lower shock absorption capacity of euro-area financial institutions. And here it comes. Ultimately... The transmission of tensions among sovereigns across banks and between the two intensified to take on systemic crisis proportions not witnessed since the collapse of Lehman Brothers three years ago. So does that mean that it's going to be worse? Well, a lot of people think it might be. We're going to have a huge like Lehman. I mean, they're actually bringing up the collapse of Lehman Brothers as the outlook from the European Central Bank. <laughs> wow. Hey, you already got our founding fathers. Do you have to have our crises as well? Really? Can't no, you make they, up your they own just stuff? steal everything. This, <laughs> like, this is like Microsoft taking ideas from Apple. Yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, in the barony of uh, Steven Pelsmakers, our, uh, our baron and patron from uh, Belgium, things are not good. Uh, we had a huge strike in Belgium. Trains, metros, buses... Uh, what else we have? Uh, no mail delivery. Uh, the public television uh, was uh, stopped broadcasting. They only were broadcasting uh, like a couple of people sitting in the glass house bitching at each other. Um, hospitals and uh, secure police forces are on Sunday rosters. So the place has fallen apart because people are like so angry about uh, the austerity measures. They're saying, no, we're not going to do this. And then even better than that, um, in uh, the Czech Republic, (laughs) more than 15,000 Czechs, when they registered for uh, to vote, they registered as Knights of the Jedi. (laughs) As the I didn't get this one as their religion. You got me on and that. Pro- and proclaimed their allegiance to Luke Skywalker. <laughs> uh, it is now an official religion in uh, in the Czech Republic. 15,070 inhabitants registered as Knights of the Jedi. I think we should do that. <laughs> we should be Knights of the Jedi. And by the way, easy on taking our knight stuff, will you? And furthermore, well, actually, they'll, they'll be getting a phone call from Lucas. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, you can't hey, do hey, that, man. It is yeah. copyrighted. Yeah, you can't do that. You owe me money. Yeah, you, you owe me Lucas. money. Yeah. I haven't got enough money. Dutch Defense Minister Hans Hillen uh, is now pushing through a uh, uh, an idea uh, which has a lot of support, uh, apparently, for com- compulsory community service for all teenagers. In uh, Gitmo Nation Lowlands, they feel that uh, all uh, teenagers should uh, perform at least one year of useful community work, whether in healthcare, the environment, or military. Yeah, that's useful community work. Yeah. Military. (laughs) 
Uh, Hillen said, this investment would teach youngsters that society also belongs to them. Wow. So we're seeing that here, too. Of course, this was a meme that uh, Obama ran on, the yep. uh, community, community service, service thing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I was thinking about this. During the last the real big depression, not the depression of 1970, but the depression of 1930 mm-hmm. uh, through, through 1940, right. the, uh, they put people to work in like the Civilian Conservation Corps, the Works Project Administration, the WPA, and all these other things. But they paid them. And they were doing community work, community service. They were building, putting the bridges up and all this other stuff. But they paid them. Right. Now we're just trying to get them to work for free like slaves. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, well, you know, what's happening, and this is happening in Gitmo Nation East in the, in the UK as well. Um, if you're on social, you know, if you have social benefits, that's when... Oh, hold on. What is happening here? Don't do this. If you're on social benefit. Then they're going to make you work. That's the whole idea. Yeah, it's a form of slave labor. I mean, you could say that, well, you, we're not going to give you social benefits, but we'll give you this job and pay you. Right. That's different, uh, which is you, I could rationalize seeing them do that, but they don't do that. They don't. They, they almost as, as though as they have the two options. You got, look, we're going to give these people free money because they're, you know, down and out. But we're going to make them work so they realize they're slaves. Or, process number two, the, we're not going to give them any social benefits because they're down and up. But we're going to give them a job they have to take, which we'll pay them for. And mm-hmm. it'll be called the Works Project Administration or something like that. But then they won't realize, they won't fully realize that they're slaves. So which, which, one, which way do they go? They go with the, let's make sure they know where their place is. Right. Just, you know, it's not great analysis. It's just. I think this is the president of the Deutsche Bank here. And for us, Europe is not only our destiny, it's also our desire. It's a lesson we learned. And so please understand for us, Europe is much more than a currency or a single market. What? It is. A key question. It's a political union, what we want. And it is not the first time we have to find answers after a controversial. And we will find an answer this time, once again. Yes, we will. This is our goal and this is our duty. And we will make it. Yes, no matter what the consequences. That guy freaks me out. My understanding was when this thing began, it was designed to create a formidable and it was also expressed in the clip we had a few minutes ago a formidable force worldwide as a single market that could you know pretty much can well yes the and chinese and the americans at bay yeah and it was like as a mechanism for for selling stuff it was a capitalistic mechanism now it's changed into a political thing this has always been the, this has always been the point one world government this has always been the point, and of course, we discovered this when we read the actual Lisbon Treaty documents. And what was that, John? Two thousand eight? Yeah, two thousand eight. We discovered that, that was all yeah, just poppycock. After the wiki page was put up. Yeah, it was all poppycock. None. Of, this was. This is all set up and designed, and it's all exactly the way it was supposed to go by the founding fathers, by the way, including the Dutch banker. This is the whole point, but it's unstoppable. That's the problem. It's unstoppable. I don't know what to do about it. There's nothing we can do about it. It's going to be un- what's unstoppable is the fact they're going to have a civil war. 
Because this isn't going to continue because the public is not ready for one world gov- loss of sovereignty. I mean, I, the French, the French are so French. That's all they, you know, <laughs> we're French, French, French. I mean, they make a big deal out of it. Now they're going to be what? Tell The Germans are going to tell them how to make cheese? <laughs> the cheese is so stinky. You must not make stinky cheese no more. This is what we have been pining for for many, many years. We have been before the stinky cheese crisis. And now we have the power in Europe that the French will no longer make stinky cheese and stop eating the snails. <laughs> it could go that way, man. Yeah, well, no, it could. It is. It That's exactly where it's headed. <laughs> so there's an interesting little crisis in, in uh, Spain that is underway. It was shown on one of the talk shows. Play Stolen Babies. Oh, my goodness. Their child may be alive. For years, there had been whispers, but now an unbelievable story was exploding in the press. Allegations that, for decades, organized networks stole newborn babies from their mothers and sold the babies to other families. Back in January, more than 250 families filed cases with Spain's attorney general, demanding investigations. The number has grown since. Today, nearly 1,500 cases have been filed. This is a famous doctor. If anyone is responsible for prompting all this... Wow. So uh, it turns out that, and you can play stolen babies to it until you get sick of listening to it. And it turns out that they, since the Franco administration, right until like the, I guess the mid eighties, uh, these hospitals would, uh, you, a family would have, uh, you know, twins oh. and the doctor would come out and say, Oh, we're so sorry. One of your, one of the two twins died. Wow. And they say, oh, can I see it? No, no, no. It's so traumatizing. You do, we, we really don't want you to see the dead baby. Wow. This is, this is horrible. I'll listen to two. To report systematic baby stealing. Yes. You've investigated this for so many years. Can you say without a doubt that babies were stolen in Spain? From the 40s until 80s as a minimum? We can talk about children that were kidnapped from their families, from their mothers. Stolen babies, niños yes. robados. Niños robados. Armengo and her team found the practice began after fascist dictator Francisco Franco seized power during Spain's civil war of the late 1930s. The government would remove children from mothers who were political prisoners and give them to families who supported the regime. All this start like a political repression. But then it goes over the years from being a political thing to really being economic, to being a business. Yes. Money starts to change hands. Yes. Yes. Large sums, thousands of dollars were paid for the babies. Spain was an ultra-conservative society dominated by the Catholic Church, and nuns or doctors were often key players. And who's getting that money? The nuns? The doctors? The church? (laughs) Little by little, all together. All of them. Uh, Yes, all of them. Yeah, well, reptilians have to eat something. (laughs) So, so they actually, most of these people are still alive. And wow. I mean, we're getting the mob with the, uh, you know, the angry mob. Well, is, of course. Is I mean, but all of your, this is, this stuff is rampant. This, this is so, so discouraging. In the Netherlands, something else, a crisis as well, which you haven't heard over here. 
they released a, a report, um, and it turns out that the Roman Catholic Church in the Netherlands, in the Netherlands, uh, the clergy for over a period of forty years has been molesting children. They they believe twenty thousand children. And uh, many of these guys are still alive and still practicing. And uh, and it was like, oh, well, it, it, well, they won't do it anymore. It's okay. You wouldn't have to throw anybody in jail. And people are outraged by this. They're you know what outraged. gets me? The, the church's reaction to all this stuff like yeah. the, is that the Pope, if he called these guys out and excommunicated them, because most of these Catholic priests are very serious about their religion, but there, nobody wants to be excommunicated. It's a huge, you, you go to hell, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Where Where's the big list of, the, why don't they bring these guys out to be, before, char, bring them out on charges that you're excommunicated, whatever the process is, and throw them out and, and put them into that limbo and let them deal with it. I, I, I've not heard of anyone being excommunicated from any of this stuff. Have you? No. You don't even know what it means, but I. Yeah, it does, because, excuse me? Well, I'm just what saying, kind of snide you know, comment was that? Well, I don't know that you knew. I mean, excommunication is not talked about much, and I don't think everyone knows what it's, what it's all about, but it's a big deal to Catholics. Yeah. And I don't see why these guys aren't excommunicated. Left and right in this whole, they they found the nun who stole one of the babies and threatened the woman. Uh, and that other story, I didn't obviously play the whole thing. But this, you know, the, the woman was suspicious, and she says, if you say anything, you know, and she, she basically threatened her with being, with ruination. Um, this none should be excommunicated immediately. I don't. I'm not understanding why this isn't happening. Because it's all sanctioned by the Catholic Church, John. I mean, do are you do really not understand that that pedo bear is rampant in the Vatican amongst all governments? The elites of this world eat babies for energy. It's like you know, I have like a, a Luna bar. You know, like, oh, here's a, you know, let me eat this baby. This is this is the occult is for real, dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to dude you. That was not not nice of me. But yeah, I'm. I, the more I hear about this stuff, the more I just have to believe it. So let's move. On. Staying in the in the European side of the uh, of the ocean, uh, Pierce Morgan. I think you're. You know, you've had this suspicion about Pierce Morgan. Oh, that he uh, ran away to America to avoid. Yeah, I saw this. That he ran away to America to avoid yeah. prosecution for basically yeah. being the founding father of uh, phone phone hacking. Yeah, <laughs> we can play a little bit of this uh, grilling Pierce Morgan clip, but I want to mention something that I thought was, as soon as this, I saw this, I said, oh, this is funny. He's testifying before the tribunal. On Skype. On, yeah, well, or at some <laughs> video conference. He will not, he, and I, first thing I thought, he's not going to go to England and get arrested. No. They're going to have to extradite him, and that's a process they're not going to go through because it's too much work. So he's not moving at all. No, he's not. He's, he's not going to go back to England until this blows over. But we can play a little Pierce Morgan. Uh, you know, that you can see what it's like. It's a very boring. It's, def- it's definitely under the category real news. But I, I did catch myself because it was on C-SPAN. I mean, C-SPAN yeah, so is C-SPAN. That's why I don't call it real news. Yeah. Tap in the standard four-digit code to hear all your messages. I'll change mine just in case. But it may, but it makes me wonder how many public figures and celebrities are aware of this little trick. When were you first made aware of this little trick? Uh, well, according to this, uh, Friday, 26th of January, 2001. W- were you aware of it before? 
Not as far as I'm aware, no. <laughs> who, who made you aware of this little trick? I have no idea. The Tooth Fairy. It was ten years ago, and I, I can't remember. <laughs> can, can you assist at all with the the, the context? Um, I mean, if you look for like, well, the, the start of the entry, which deals with something else altogether, just just refresh your memory. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can stop it. So anyway, I, I, I have to go on my rant. He drags on and on with these guys trying to get him to. I don't know what they're trying to get him to do because he's not going to do it. <laughs> admit guilt, but I didn't realize because this happened started in 2001, the phone hacking, that all the phones shipped in Europe had a had a default password code for getting yeah. the phone not, mail. Not messages. all, but every network has their own default passcode. Yeah, I know, yeah. but say you had, you, you know, there's, there's a limited number of networks. But I was under the impression, because now he says, well, you know, you type in a four-letter code and you can hear their messages, which could be a bonanza if you're a reporter. I mean, to be honest about it. But I which is but the, I find it so mundane the the hack, you know, just oh type in some you know so you, this is like having the in the early days of the Wi-Fi networks everybody, you know, they all the networks were wide open because there was no forced security like there is today, so you could get on anybody's network and be on the internet pretty easily. Uh, but I always because we did this show on the X three show the Engo and. And uh, Eisner were there, and Engo had this long, convoluted methodology. You, there's really complicated ways to cracking into somebody's phone that entails getting them to pick up the phone to put it into a busy mode. And then you do this, and you do that, and you get their you can get their password in some very you know black hat manner. But then I hear what actually happened. I, I should have thought to myself: these guys can't dream up anything like that. They were just putting in the default, hoping for the best. So um, uh, the easiest way, actually, and I think that has now been stopped, is to spoof the caller ID, where essentially you make the call, make it look like it's coming from your own number. They don't even need a password or didn't. That's the way it used to work. But, right. but, but the point that irks me, and I know you're not falling into the trap, but we have all these conversations about who listening. You know, we have it's on C-SPAN. It's taking a valuable time. Uh, and like something important is going to happen. It's the British Parliament. Uh, the inquest, everyone's looking at this. But meanwhile, the government is sucking up all of your information, all of your data. They run Facebook. They lie to you. They run all the media. They're constantly checking your voicemail, messages, email, they rem- your Twitter accounts, everything. And no one gives a crap. Oh, but when it's Hugh Grant, <laughs> this, yeah, is, no, this is what really, really, really pisses me off. We should have an inquisition about that. That's what you should be talking about. And people in Europe who who accept this and get Monation East, and I, I think it's less than we believe it is. You know, there's cameras everywhere. There's cameras in your trash bins. They're looking at everything. They have BlackBerry. Uh, has given all of the uh, decryption codes so that people can check your your uh, your emails. Everything. It's crazy. This is such a distraction from what's really going on, that you are living in a police state and you are meant to be made angry about Pierce idiot douchebag Morgan, who somehow, ooh, he was such a hacker that he listened to Hugh Grant about him kissing some girl. Who gives a crap? You already did this rant a second ago and you played the jingle. Well, you made me kind of angry that that you bring this up. I, it was it was interesting to me. I, my point was that there wasn't much hacking going on. It was just somebody putting in a default code, 
and listening to message casually and listening to messages casually. And what kind of message? We what kind of messages? Who, who leaves voicemail messages for anyone anymore? Who does that? Yeah, well, you're still missing my point, but that's... Okay. No, I understand your point. I understand your point. Don't leave me a voicemail message, ever. I send text messages to you. <laughs> yeah, of great importance. Turn on C-SPAN 3 now. Well, I don't... I'm not a big fan of leaving these complicated messages on devices. No, of course not. But I'm. it just gets me. For one thing, half the time nobody picks them up. But anyway, that's another story. Uh. Yeah, no, the government's spying on everything you do. Mm-hmm. And nobody cares. That's my point. Uh, I care. Yeah, well, yeah, I care. A uh, new game coming out in 2013 based on the Tom Clancy novel, uh, novel, Rainbow Six Patriots is the name of the game. Have you seen the trailer for this game, John? No, I have not. <laughs> So, of course, uh, these gaming consoles and all these uh, in-depth first-person shooter, you know, completely almost virtual reality games uh, are preconditioning for our children. And in this particular scene, I'll play the audio. It's about a minute. Uh, You uh, see a couple guys in suits burst into a banker's office. I will narrate as we go along. First, we get not yet rated, (laughs) not yet rated. (laughs) So you see these guys walking through a banker office. They're in suits, but they got all kinds this of... This is the day we've been waiting for. Guns. Years of training. Years of sacrifice. This is for the jobs you streamlined. The debts you collected. This is for the homes you foreclosed on. They bust into the, the guy's bailouts door. bailouts you took. We are the true patriots. <laughs> it's time for a new balance of power. <laughs> so they grab this banker. Answer to the government's. But you will answer to us. They put explosives on a belt. <laughs> they throw him out the window. First they... And he's almost on the ground in New York City, and they detonate his belt. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ubisoft once again. What? So, so th- this is a Tom Clancy story? Apparently. Huh. So they, they bust into the banker's office. They grab the guy at gunpoint. They strap on an explosive belt. They shoot out the window. They throw the guy out the window like the 50th story or whatever. They watch him go down. And just before he hits the taxi cabs down below in New York City, they detonate his belt. And everything explodes down below. Because they're the patriots. <laughs> kind of a message is this <laughs> well 2013 i almost can't wait can't they get it out earlier we need the violence now yeah yeah call ubisoft these guys gotta this work is all, faster. this is um work faster. sublimation you know people get down on the banker so they play this game and they feel that they've accomplished something by killing the virtual banker in a dumb game that's all it amounts to as far as i'm concerned yeah but it's it's kind of not okay. No, it's like the punching bag that you know the Japanese corporations will have a punching bag with the boss's head uh, down in the basement, <laughs> and any employee who feels like can go down there and punch the boss punch in the, the head. Boss, and the, but, yeah, you know, and then they feel better. Don't we have some Adam and John punching balls? You can punch us. Yeah, it'd be good premium. We hit people in the face. 
which we should be doing now. I've got to uh, let's mention some of our donors if you want to bring up the. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. We do have a few donors, uh, and not boners. We want to thank them all. Uh, hold on a second, John. We have a jingle for that. <laughs> what? <laughs> I couldn't hear a word of that. I just heard a... Yeah, um, well, what did me, he me say? neither. I'll try it again. Oh. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, you can barely hear it, but once you, it's very su- subtle. It is. It is subtle. It doesn't sound too good on boner, Skype. Be a donor. Yeah. IT Ninja in Mount Prospect, Illinois, $119.33. Do not n- mention my name. Use IT Ninja. Yeah. Going to this website, paulsadowski.com, numbers slash ASP. Phrases, Happy New Year, 67 characters, and the best podcast in the universe is 119. That's why I'm donating 119.33 for the best podcast in the universe. Also, a shout out to Clink. I won't go. I won. I got Battleship. Okay, coded messages here on the No Agenda Show. Encouraged, encouraged. Now, Oscar Nadal in Tijuana, $111.11. Robert Simpson, Sir Robert Simpson in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, $111.11. want to thank them both. Uh, Armin Breuer in Vienna. Last six months saw the euro going down from buck forty six to a buck twenty six, so I thought I'd treat you as long as I can afford to with some value for value and myself to some karma while I'm at it since Christmas time is coming and I need Barbie to come back home safely. <laughs> okay, come on home, Barbie. Come on, baby, you can do it. You've got karma. Well, it works for a week, so you should be uh, good to go. It's funny somehow, he says, I'm 100% free of any religion and other superstitions. Uh, yet, while I don't even believe in it, karma works all the time. Hmm, how does that work? All the time. Black Knight uh, George Vanderhorst in... Cat Hovel. Cat's Hovel. Cat's Hovel in, uh, in uh, Holland, $100. A special comment for John and Adam after such a, lo- uh, after such a long time. You know, Happy he, holidays, George Vanderhorst. Black Knight, Cat's Hovel. Black Knight George sent me a note uh, last night. He says, uh, I'm donating because uh, tomorrow morning, that would have been you know several hours ago for us here. So I have a very, very, very important meeting. He's had all kinds of crap going on with his business and you know, it looked like he was gonna, someone was going to invest or something. And he said, you know, could you make sure I get special karma for that? And I'm like, well, what's going to come late? You know, so I sent him the karma jingle. And he, <laughs> and he emailed me this morning. He said it worked. Not only that, we got a second offer from a different company. So uh, here's uh, to You've reiterate. karma. Reiteration karma. Did you give uh, Sir Breuer uh, some karma? Did I, oh, did I miss Sir Breuer? I'm sorry. There you go. You've got Karma. Yeah, he will be. Uh, he needs it for Barbie to come home. But doesn't Armin? Uh, yeah, he becomes a knight today. Today yeah, he joins the, the round table. Yeah, by cool. The time the show's aired. Cool. Patrick Sullivan in Sturgeon County, Alberta, hundred dollars. Seth Harper in Morgantown, West Virginia, seventy-five. Anonymous in Irvine, California, sixty-six, sixty-six. Are being good little slaves and emptying our PayPal account, <laughs> which is the way we recommend. Uh, Merry Christmas and thanks for the great info and laughs. Please send karma and it's, we can't see to who, but just send it to routinely. We've seen a few drones circling around down here. <laughs> okay, look out. You've got karma. 
James Thrash in Phoenix, Arizona, 5775. Been living the American dream of just getting by. Had a few bucks left over after Christmas presents, so I decided to give it to the podcast. I most look forward to listening each week. Thanks and Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Jonas Ensby in Oslo, Norway, 5555. Well, the corporate shills are still on all on vacation. I send a donation as a thank you. For keeping me entertained throughout the holidays. Every episode you release during the season is like a present to me. This donation comes in spite of Adam denigrating our national treasures by calling our brown cheese stinky. You know, I don't do that. It's like, uh, that's not true. Every other person uh, who donates from uh, Gitmo Nation Stinky Cheese says Gitmo Nation Stinky Cheese. I didn't make it up. That's not fair. It is now he says it's the Gitmo Nation land without butter. <laughs> okay. They don't have butter there? Oh, and you hear about this? What happening in Norway? The butter you brought it. it, it, it they've decided that all of a sudden, ten years late, to go on the Atkins diet. No. And yes, and in the price, this is a big news. You can look it up. Look, look up on the Wikipedia. And because of this, they've all gone into eating tons of butter, and they wiped out the entire country's supply of butter. No. In fact, there was a big case where they're starting to smuggle butter in from Sweden, and some guy got arrested. It's like this a drug. Is, wait, this is crazy. Yeah. Just, no, just butter shortage. Norway butter. Butter crisis in Norway. Oh, my goodness. Wait, here's a butter message to the USA. I think they're actually applying now uh, or pleading to us to send them butter. Yeah, they've gone nuts. Well, hold on a second. What is this? Hi. My name is Tommy. <laughs> I'm a singer. and a I'm sorry. Celebrity. I think that's something else. <laughs> I think that's a, a wrong, wrong link. <laughs> it was a butter message. I'm sorry. I was... It's a different letter. <laughs> it's from an XXX a domain. From the, uh, All right, so uh, what is this like? Is, it, is this like a salt thing? Is this like uh, butter's no, going to kill you? No, they decided to go on this high-fat diet. And the, yeah, but and the whole country doesn't just decide to go on a diet. The whole country has gone, it's like mass hysteria. Because what? And, uh, they've, and they've just eaten all their butter. Huh. Well, uh, I think we need a butter drive. Well, we need a butter drive for Norway. Yeah. And they're just that not that far from France, which has got some of the greatest butter. Or Ireland's got good butter. So what are they using instead? Margarine or, or oil? I think they're just using, I don't know. They don't, they're not big olive oil users. What I do think they cook just, with? Uh, yak fat, I think, is the next thing. <laughs> yak fat. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Reindeer drippings. And here's where you say, I've had some yak fat. It was really quite tasty. Yum. <laughs> Anyway, onward. Adrian Turner in Hove, South East Sussex. Double nickels on the dime in the morning, JNA. Uh, thank you for your outstanding efforts recently. Here's my small contribution towards bread for your tables. May I ask for a douchebag birthday call out from my friend Stefan Reimschussel from London? Yeah, absolutely. Douchebag. And we'll say happy birthday to the douchebag. Not a problem. His birthday is Christmas Eve, so being a. So being a tight Brit, I always duck two gifts. One will cover both birthday and Christmas. Kind regards, Adrian Turner. Good luck getting Rhyme Schussel right. Rhyme Schussel. Jay Kincaid, Rosewell, Georgia, double nickels on the dime, uh, a.k.a. Jazoon. Jay Zuni. <laughs> Jay Zuni. Longtime boner, first-time donor. Good for you, Jay. Zuni. Uh, Josiah Thomas in West Des Moines, Iowa. Double nickels on the dime. Merry Christmas. The, the producer didn't forget about No Agenda. They Live was hilarious, by the way. <laughs> Cheers. 
He saw the movie, which we recommended a few shows back. Uh, Mark Philip Thomas in Gold Bar, Washington. <laughs> wow. Wow. Nice Ooh. name for a town. Cool. 5510. Uh, in the morning, John and Adam, I'm not sure if you're still accepting double nickels on the dime. If not, feel free to send it back. Yeah, no, no, I'm no, no. For we'll some accept. karma over the next week. If it go, all goes well, it'll help me get a better paying job. Keep up the good work. And, John, you really need to schedule a no agenda meetup up here in the Seattle area. Okay, we can do that. You've got karma. And it gets karma. Nigel Ewan. Ewan. Nigel Ewan. 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 Columbus, Ohio. Double nickels on the dime. Thanks for everything. Your show is keeping me fully entertained over the Christmas break from art school. Send us your art. Michael Martin, Simpsonville, South Carolina, 5333. First time donor, long time boner. Can I get a karma shout out for my iPhone app? Santa's naughty and nice list. <laughs> Spent more time for, more on graphics than I made on it. Hope this mention can put it over the top. It's only 99 cents. Yeah. Okay. We'll give you some karma. And I'm sure the guys at Apple are not. Hey, let's block that no agenda show again and get that app out of the store. You've got karma. It could be dangerous to children. Ryan Lackey, London, Ontario, 5252. Merry Christmas. Stuart uh, Burt, Mount Pleasant, Texas, 5101. Sam, Sir Samuel Vanderplank. Uh, happy holidays. Keep up with the show. Please give me some karma. $50.33. You've got karma. Now $50 from Alan Bean and Greg Steerley, respectively from Oakland and Santa Monica. Kirk James. We actually had a little thing. Is this James Kirk? No, no, no it's Kirk James. It is Kirk, Kirk James. James. Yeah. $50. I appreciate all y'all do and like the shot at karma for my fantasy football Super Bowl game this week. And also like to wish uh, all listeners a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Now, now, does this count? Because I thought we weren't allowed to do karma for sports teams anymore. Is it okay? It's not if it's- really a sports team. He wants his karma personally for his uh, game. Okay. Well, then it's uh, I'm more than happy to hand out the karma for that. You've got karma. This is such a magical. Wellington, uh, $50. John and Adam, a little my getting by money. Truly hate the over commercialization of Christmas. Jesus would roll over in his, in his shroud if he knew. So I thought I'd buy you guys a present. Merry Thank Christmas you. and thanks, you guys and other no agenda Grinches have made my life that bit much better this year. Please put some of this towards possible New Year's DSC. As I need a new great two to three hour show for the cycle training I'm doing this year. I don't know if you realize how missed the DSC is. Anyway, keep up. Well, can I, can I, let me just respond to that. <clears throat> so, uh, totally appreciate. Thank you very much for the Christmas uh, gift, the mad money. Um, but I, you know, I can't afford to go to jail. This is no longer acceptable. I mean, yeah, on the pre-stream once in a while I'll play a song, but you really think it's a good idea for me to put a, put a, an MP3 out there with two to three hours of commercially licensed music that I can't license or pay for? It's just not a good idea anymore. It's over. It's can't over. you do a whole show with Podfree licensed songs? Yeah, but a lot of it just sucks. It's not the whole point. The whole point is I like going down memory road and playing 60s, yeah. 70s, 80s. You know, it's fun stuff. But, and I'm just not into a lot of, no, no, I can't. Yeah, we I, need I could. Some, we need a listener that works at ASCAP that can... Forget about it. You can't. It's impossible to do. It is mm-hmm. impossible to do. You can't know, license it. They rip it. off the podcasters to keep podcasters from doing exactly what and you the, were doing. And the streamers and everybody. It's, you can't yeah, do it. the streamers, everybody. No, but I agree. You, it's a scam. I'm, it's perfect now to make an example out of me. I can't do it. Can't. Yeah. So until that changes, he can't do it. 
Kristen Morgan in South San Francisco, 50 bucks. In the morning, John and Adam like to send a birthday shout-out to my boyfriend, Andrew Johnson, in South San Francisco. His birthday is Thursday, the 22nd. Can we also give him a karma shot for promising New Year? Thank you for all your hard work and the best podcast in the universe, Kristen. Absolutely. You've got karma. Best podcast in the universe! And finally, uh, Leah Hahn in Portland, Oregon, 50 bucks a donation on behalf of Nick Cupcake Reguero. <coughs> uh, Paul Vela in Towchester, Northamptonshire, $50. And... Um, Philip Smith in Frankston, Victoria, and Thomas Imbrex in Belgium, uh, $50. Keep informing us and have a karma shot, shot that you could use it. You've got karma. There was one uh, late donation that came in, John, uh, which I've been on the back channel with uh, Shill and everyone. Uh, Paul, the book guy, uh, has uh, completed his knighthood, $999.99, so we will throw in the extra penny there. And he donated $50 karma for Sir Jeff, Scott McKenzie, and Maya Santos for helping with Krampus, A Christmas Tale, the audiobook. Krampus, A Christmas Tale. So uh, thank you very much, uh, Paul the Book Guy. You will join the uh, Night of the No Agenda Roundtable uh, later today. And uh, thank you for your uh, $50 donation, because that is loving for the show. And karma going out to your list. You've got karma. Yeah, and I want to remind people to go to noagendashow.com, noagendanation.com, org slash NA and channeldevorek.com slash NA for uh, continued support. We will be running a clip show on Sunday, but we, that doesn't mean we should. Uh, and we will be thanking everybody in the, the next Thursday for their donations for between now and, and then. And the clip so, show is uh, is just lots of clips from uh, uh, the stuff that we've played over the years on the show. Not us necessarily, but clips of stuff. Uh, probably it's going to be only your clips. I mean, how did you even get my clips? You didn't ask. You didn't me have. You didn't have any clips during this era. What until le- the last year and a half or so? Oh, I'm the, sorry. It's the John clip show. It's the John clip show, but these are <laughs> clips that we discussed. <laughs> so, do you have like the McChrystal in there? I got some McChrystal material. You got, I got Wesley the, Clark uh, in there. I'm sorry, what? Wesley Clark about... Uh, no, that's a clip I should... It would be nice to drop in, but... Uh, no, there's a lot of clips we don't have. I, I must have like a thousand hours of clips. I just grabbed the clips that, that try... I try to make it so the clip the clip that... Follow, you, remember, you remember the movie uh, uh, with um, Mike Myers where he played the spy? What's his name? Yeah, Austin Powers, Mojo. Austin Powers movie where, they, where the big... Where the thing says, that looks like a... And then they cut to a hot dog, and then they cut to, you know, that kind of thing where the clips try to, I try oh, it's to comedy. associate them a little bit. It's comedy. It doesn't, it's good. <laughs> well, it's, well, that remains to be seen. <laughs> okay, well, John put a lot of work into it, I know that. I think so about, the, well, here's the, here's where the work comes. I got a clip, it's 13 seconds, and I add a two-second clip, and then I add a five-second clip, and then there's a 20-second clip. These clips aren't very long. So there's another 30 seconds. I could go hours and I've only pieced together like three minutes. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, clips it, are too short. No, you don't have long clips. No, the thing took you like two and a half years. You've been threatening this clip show forever. I have. I've been threatening it for a long time. And you still won't like it. Why not? Because it's the John clip show. You, oh, oh, are we getting all testy? Oh, please. You gr- grumpy man. Oh, please. Oh, please. Wow. Wow. Too- you, can't, you can't take a little criticism. 
Exactly. <laughs> All right. Then, then take this. Donating, my friends, is loving. Dvorak.org slash N-A It's your birthday, birthday I'm no one gender Adrian Turner congratulates his friend Stefan Reimschlüssel I'll try it again. Stefan Reimschlüssel from London, fine British name. Uh, he celebrates on uh, Saturday, uh, Christmas Eve on the 24th. And Kristen Morgan congratulates her boyfriend, Andrew Johnson, in South San Francisco. He is celebrating his birthday today. Happy birthday on behalf of all your buddies here in the entire back office at the No Agenda Show. And then uh, we have, uh, it's nice. We haven't had some nights in, what, four weeks now, I think? It's been about four weeks. We haven't had any nights for a couple of weeks. Yeah, a couple of weeks. So let me just. Uh, ooh, it's uh, it's a little rusty. It hasn't been used in a long time. Mine's stuck. <laughs> there you go. You got it. All right, Spike, step forward. Paul the book guy and Armin Breuer kneel before the dais and extend your ring fingers. All of you will be receiving the official uh, knight of the uh, ring of the Knights of the No Agenda Roundtable and. You receive your knighthoods today. I hereby pronounce thee Sir Spike, Sir Paul, and Sir Armin. Now all knights of the No Agenda Roundtable. Hookers and blow, rent boys, Chardonnay, and hot pants and booze at your disposal right here. And a little bit of eggnog. So uh, as we begin the second half of the show. Yes. I have a. I ran into the show. There, there, the 2012 thing, and we're headed toward 2012. Obviously, uh, we're going to do a course in the. In, in fact, a week. yesterday was one year until uh, the world evaporates. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so I was watching this thing, and there's this one. The crackpots are going. This next year, by the way, I want to kind of clue people in on what the show is going to be like for the next year. For the next year, we are going to have some of the craziest stories. Because of this 2012 thing. And I'd like to know how this 2012 thing became such a huge phenomenon. Okay. I'd just like to know. I don't know. Oh, well, um, because uh, the destruction of the world, not that, not that we're going to blow up and, uh, and melt or anything like that. But the financial destruction of the world has been well planned in, uh, in advance. The elites That's, have been it's working. It's a cycle. Would you, would you like me to finish my? Yeah. No. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, well, should we just play the clip show now, then? No, no, no. This has been planned for a long time. Uh, anyway, well, I don't know if it's going to be exactly December 21st, uh, but then we slip in the Mayan calendar thing, which is always great, uh, and it just became a meme. You know, and so everyone's just pegging this date. It's, uh, it's stupid. Okay, well, we have the clip I'm, I'm going to start with is UFOs Meet 2012. Gerald has teamed up with survivalist Louis de Cordier. They aim to build a doomsday-proof community in the Sierra Nevada mountains That is not the Spain. right clip, I don't believe. Is that UFOs Meet 2012 or is that 2012 aside or part two? No, I'm sorry. You're right. I had the wrong one queued up. You're right. Here we go. And I think one of the things you'll find on the Internet is that much of the 2012 mythology um, is tied together with other conspiracy theory. Peter Gersten is a criminal lawyer living in Arizona who made a name for himself studying UFOs. He's bought into a wild conspiracy theory that goes like this. 
human beings exist in a computer program. And on December 21st, 2012, at 1111 a.m., the exact time of the winter solstice, the current program shuts down. (laughs) I can tell you um, what's going to happen, what I believe is going to happen, but I'm still receiving information about it. Gersten believes he's received a sign that he's been chosen for a mission to jump off Bell Rock in Sedona, Arizona at the exact (laughs) moment of the solstice. And if he does, he can save the world. And I'm not doing it out of desperation or despondency. In other words, I'm not. I'm doing it because I believe I need to do it to help my children, to help my grandchildren, to help all carbon-based life forms. If, 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 and if I'm wrong, everybody dies. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What is he going to do to save the world? He's going to literally jump off a cliff. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, that'll help. <laughs> Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I do. I do think that there is something going on with uh, how uh, our brains are communicating better with you know brain to brain waves and all that. I'm a total believer in that stuff, and that uh, we are moving into the age of Aquarius, and that things will change, and the Earth is changing. It's in constant change, but. Total doom and destruction? No, I highly doubt that. Okay, play part two where he goes on with his little, uh, what he's going to do, this guy. Well, wait, what part, now, now I need to know what it is. 2012 part two. So we missed the part one? No, that uh, was part, part one. I got it. Gersten calls it his leap of faith. And he's encouraging others to make their own leap. <laughs> What if if you have teenagers following you? You know, it could be a a justification for an insane act, but I'm not responsible for anybody else. Everybody has their own responsibility. At 11.11 a.m., Gersten says a portal in the sky will open, and if he leaps through it, the prophecies of doom will be undone. But before he sets things right, Gersten hopes to make a little money. It would be nice <laughs> if, if it was documented, if it was recorded. Um, and it would be nice if I anticipate that and say, okay, let's do it now and, and let's make some money. Because there probably are things that I need to do that probably uh, will take funds. And there's the rub. It wouldn't be doomsday without money being made, and 2012 is shaping up to be a bonanza. I agree with that. <sighs> what what was this on? What are you watching? You know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm regretful that I did, I didn't take a careful note to say where this came from, but I think it was National Geographic or one of these one of these one time educational channels. And by the way, whatever happened to these channels? The Learning Channel, National Geographic, the History Channel, they've all gone to just junk programming. No, that, that is also a part of the 2012. You know, it's a, you are being mind-controlled. And you, in particular, today, it's really shown through. I mean, the Pierce Morgan and now this. And people are being mind-controlled by television. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. What is wrong? What is wrong? <laughs> Would you like your tea? Auntie, Auntie, Uncle John wants his tea. He's ringing his bell. <laughs> and you got to go, I want my tea. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to go into the ECAT thing, which everyone is talking about. No, go. You take it. The ECAT thing is pretty cool. This is the energy catalyzer, which Andrea Rossi invented. 
Uh-huh. And uh, it is, it's a device in which hydrogen gas powered nickel metal and a, and a catalyst, of which I don't know what the, what the catalyst is, are combined to produce a large amount of heat. And um, th- he announced this several years ago, and he just came out with it. Uh, and everyone's talking about it. There's a whole bunch of interesting, uh, I mean, you know, you can't really check the validity of the demonstrations of it. Um, but there's a whole, uh, there's a whole website, e-catworld, e-catworld, which maybe that's the joke. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, but it, it's pretty spectacular stuff. It's like, I guess some kind of low en- energy nuclear reactor. I don't know. You should take a look at it, John. I, I mean, I'd love to hear your real unbiased. Or E-Cat World, e- Andrea Rossi's Cold Fusion. Yeah, E-Cat World. Yeah. I, the guy comes across as pretty legit. I mean, all the alternative energy uh, zealots, myself included, are, uh, are pretty excited about it. And it produces heat. And, of course, with the heat, then you, you know, can create steam. And then with that, you can do a whole bunch of stuff. Um. So I don't know. That's uh, I, you know, I've always believed that we're being screwed. The oil thing is just like good way to make money because there's free energy out there, zero point energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I think people should just you know just cut themselves off from the grid and just do the zero point stuff and at, at their house and they don't have to worry about it. So while you were watching, nobody's doing that, by the way. I come down to these guys that got all these crazy ideas is actually powering. Well, they usually like, a lot of them get killed or disappeared or oh, suicided. They get killed. Okay, yeah. that's what it is. They get suicided. So uh, while you were doing all that, um, there's a new. Oh, this is so disgusting. We've been following Haiti for two years. We just passed the two year anniversary, didn't we? The two or is it coming yeah, up? Yeah, I now? think it's just over two years as we speak. Yeah, the the Haitian earthquake, billions of dollars. Estimates between four and six billion dollars raised. We had uh, the huge concert. We had the you know uh, all everywhere around the world. People were raising money for Haiti, and of course, we still have hundreds of thousands of people um, in tent camps uh, with uh, who are pooping their guts out because you know instead of the money, they got uh, what is it called? What did we give cholera. Them? Cholera. That's right. We Brought gave in by the UN workers. Yeah, we gave them cholera instead, <laughs> instead of anything. By the way, how does that useful. work? How do you, as a UN worker, get cholera to, in the first place? You've got to be sick as a dog. Yeah. But you're showing up? I mean, I had well, to get people, to work. These people know, were poisoned. They were poisoned, and then we have Kim Kardashian going to Haiti. And it's just going to be a great vacation place. We've talked about this. I don't have to rehash it. Uh, over and over again, we said the Clintons are behind this. This is bull crap. I don't even believe the earthquake was natural occurrence. It, it was pretty coincidental. First one in 80 years on somewhere where there was never a known fault. Okay, whatever. Um, and I, I, I want to really like Sean Penn because uh, I do think he is boots on the ground and he's really trying to help. But then he comes out with this fundraiser. And, uh, and I'm really annoyed by this thing called Crowd Rise. Here's, uh, here's the first commercial. And it's Miley Cyrus. It's Sarah Silverman. It's all the, it's all the, the, the typical Hollywood actors and musicians and LL Cool J. And, oh, let's, uh, let's go raise some more money for Haiti. Home means many things to many people. Home is what I miss when I'm away. Home is freedom. Home for me is being in my gym, working out. With the music blasting. Home is where I have people around me that only love me and want the best for me. Home is where my babies are. Home is where I can pull down my pants and be like, 
What is this? Is this something? Do I need to go to the doctor for this? <laughs> Still, Sarah Silverman is funny, though. This? Dreaming is not so much a right as it is a human need. And without a home, there's little else to dream about. On January 12, 2010, two million people were displaced by the earthquake in Haiti. It's two years later and there are still hundreds of thousands of people living in tent cities. JPHRO has treated over 100,000 patients, brought in over 100,000 pounds of medical supplies, and delivered over 1,000 babies. The organization is committed to give children a place to read and write so the kids can have food on the table, a place to celebrate life. Now is Haiti's magic moment. Help us help Haiti home. 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 Go to crowdrise.com slash Haiti and donate. And get involved. Get the word out. Help us help Haiti home. So I look at this uh, crowdrise.com slash Haiti. And this crowdrise thing is very annoying. And, uh, and, and I think it's bad. Because what this is, it's a fundraising website where you can register your charity. And um, when people donate, then they get points and they can redeem these points for, you know, clothing material, hats and T-shirts and crap oh, made in China. They gamified it. Yeah. They, oh, they've t- well, here's Sarah. Thank you for mentioning that. Here's Sarah Silverman uh, playing into the game. You go to crowdrise.com forward slash Haiti page. Click on whatever my thing is. There's going to be a thing where you can click on my page of it. And then you're once you donate, you're entered um, into a raffle of people who donated on my page. It's just it's, it's disgusting. So it's like, a, yeah, they've gamified it, which is a big deal because that's how it goes viral. And uh, so I want to find out about this CrowdRise organization. And uh, they have no financial. It's a commercial company. And here's how they do it. Um, first of all, if you, uh, if you want to start, uh, you have to get an account. So you can get the free basic account, uh, which I, I don't think gives you much. Uh, but then you have the featured account. So if you want to be featured, you pay $299 a year, $499 for a Royale account, Royale account. And then uh, each transaction, they charge... Prices ranging from a flat 4.95%, so 5% charge, on, 5% charge on each donation. What does PayPal charge? Uh, not necessarily that. I mean, they charge maybe 5% on really small numbers, but it's, I think, generally speaking, less. Uh, or a 5% charge on each donation plus a $1 transaction fee on donations under $25 and a $2.50 transaction fee on donations $25 and over. This is a money-making scam. Money-making scam, I tell you. And they have no financials, nothing about, except for who started it. And you're like, oh, and they're all trying to be funny and contrite throughout the whole site. In fact, if you go to look, and oh, this really pissed me off, uh, crowdrise.com. So I go to the about section, and they try to distract you right there. It says, uh, uh, where was it? They say, uh, you'd probably, uh, why can't I find this now? The Crowdrise story, I think is what it is. They say, you probably want to look at this picture of the sky instead of reading the small print about how they work. Really? Does that really work? 
like try to distract people with pictures of kittens. A picture of a napkin. I'm sorry. It's the picture of a napkin. So, you know, we... we Ooh, look, a napkin. Yeah, we know that you really would, uh, would like to find something out about, you know, how this uh, company works and, you know, because we're taking money, but maybe you'd just rather look at this uh, picture of a napkin. Ha, 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 ha. But they don't really tell you anything about, you know, about this company. They've been around for a couple of years, since 2009. Edward Norton, Shauna Robertson, Robert and Jeffro Wolf. Who are these people? I'm looking at Robert and Jeffrey, actually, Wolf. Jeff, Jeffro. It's Jeffro. Really, it says Jeffrey here on this, this biography site. Oh, J. A couple of joggers. It says J E F F R O, Jeffro. Huh. Well, it could be they misspelled it on their own scam website. Seems unlikely. Like, who, you know, who. CrowdRise, a unique blend of online fundraising, crowdsourcing, social networking, contests, and other nice stuff. <sighs> so, you know, why is Sean Penn in on this? And why are these celebrities once again trying to help Haiti when it's futile? The money just gets stolen. Nothing helps. These poor people, we can't do anything for them. They're screwed. All the Clinton money, that's what I'd like to know. No, we'll never find out. We've tried to find out. We don't know where that money went. Well, look into this. It's kind of interesting. I did get a, I sent you a copy of this, the the thing that Obama's doing. Oh, yeah, I wrote it down. Which I think is an illegal lottery. Uh, I can read the email. Because uh, you sent it to me. I thought it was pretty funny. I think it's an illegal lottery. I think Obama's doing an illegal lottery. He is he is making people pay money for tickets to uh, sit with him at the table. Friend. You sit, he- Here, friend. I just saw the seating chart for dinner with Barack and Michelle, and I thought you should know about it. The president and first lady are on the left and right side of the table. Where do you want to sit? Think about it. Then donate $3 or whatever you can to be automatically entered for a chance to win. And then there's a URL. I've put a lot of dinners together for the president and Mrs. Obama. Sometimes they've been for foreign dignitaries and heads of state. Sometimes they've included governor, artists, and musicians, Hollywood bull crappers. The seating can get pretty complicated, but I have to say this one was easy. One table, six guests, and the president and the first lady. So really, my job's done. The only thing missing is who that guest will be. Click here to give $3 or whatever you can to be automatically ended for a chance for you and a guest to have dinner with the president and first lady. So they need to have a disclaimer that says no purchase necessary, don't they? I think so, yeah. In order for and that the to funny be thing is when you click there... It takes you to a website where the minimum donation is ten dollars. <laughs> really? Yeah, I thought that was clever. Uh, There's also a blank spot where you can put in, does. I guess, it you know, a penny or a dollar or two bucks. But this is this is I don't see any evidence that you should you can just enter. You should be able to these lotteries, these types of things have to be by law. It uh, says here no purchase payment or contribution necessary to enter or win. Says that it says it in the small print on that page. Contribution will not improve chances of winning. Void where prohibited. Uh, so I guess okay. you have to send in a letter. They don't tell you. Three winners will each receive the following prize packages: up to twelve hundred dollars towards round trip tickets to Haiti, and a winner and a guest. <laughs> wow. Is that the value of the uh, of the uh, of the dinner? I don't know. Uh, they also I don't know f- what the value is. Well, you didn't do a good is. job here because they also have the official rules. Now, they got it all in here. 
Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's I okay. dropped the ball. That's okay. But then you click on the official rules and you get a sorry. The page you're looking for isn't here. So that's kind of well, funny. That, that doesn't help. <laughs> that's kind of funny. So, yeah. Nah, that's... Uh, well, it's, a, it's the craziest thing. I mean, it's like the chances of winning this. I'm going to enter now that it's free. <laughs> yeah, good luck on that. Wouldn't it be funny if you won, though? It'd be great. Yeah. You could sit there and do like that congressman. Did you hear about this congressman? I'd be wearing the no agenda shirt. Yeah, slave t-shirt. Jim Sensenbrenner. He was at the, uh, he's a Democrat. He was at the uh, airport on his way home, no doubt. And uh, he was overheard saying that after buying all their crap, quote, a woman approached him and praised First Lady Michelle Obama. He told the woman that Michelle should practice what she preaches. She lectures us on eating right while she has a big butt herself. <laughs> and, and apparently... She does. His spokeswoman has uh, uh, a big butt. put a release out and says he will be in touch with the First Lady to apologize for his comments. <laughs> it's not like he's not telling the truth. Yeah, but you know, he ain't going to be at the dinner. <laughs> Oops. He's got a big butt. Big butt. And then uh, Lucy uh, Napolitano sat down with uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron Burnett, the uh, Council on Foreign Relations shill, and uh, actually didn't sit down. Aaron uh, was taken out to the testing uh, ground, the training ground for Homeland Security, and uh, where they're shooting stuff up and blowing stuff up and uh, showing off the Secret Service. And a little exchange between the two during the sit-down portion of her visit. If someone is willing to kill themselves, they're going to find a way to do it, right? I mean, there's no way you can become full foolproof. Look, this is the Department of Homeland Security, not the Department of Guarantees. <laughs> the Department of Guarantees. I so I'm, I flew up here uh, from Oakland. Did you get, uh, op- did you opt out? Well, I didn't have to. And let me explain the situation. And, and then you can d- d- scratch your head over this one. So Oakland uh, Terminal 2 has, uh, I think, two or three of the full body scanners on the far ends. You ha- if you look at the group, there's, there's a full body scanner. There's a full body scanner. And then there is a magnetometer, magnetometer, full body scanner, full body scanner with, with like one, two, three, four, five, six or seven rows of people going through, right? Mm-hmm. So the two in the middle are just a magnetometer. Right. So I got in that line. Of course you do, yeah. And I went through. But meanwhile, people are looking back and forth, and they're, they're actually voluntarily going. <laughs> to, I mean, I'm thinking, why would anybody go to the full-body scanner? This thing is dangerous for all we know. We have no idea. <laughs> you could just wander, waltz through the full-body, through the, uh, the magnetometer. magnetometer. What is the, so what, explain this to me. What is going on? Why, what kind of insanity am I witnessing? I think, um, I think people, I think it's a sexual thing. There is something about, you know, it's like, uh, you know, when, it, when you rub a dog's belly, it rolls over on its back and it puts its legs in the air and surrenders completely. That's kind of what I always have to think of. Maybe it's just my t- warped mind, but that's always what I have to think of when I see people go through and then they put their hands up facing flat. And, you know, it's like are you, it's like a, you're like a dog. But I think it's a sexual thing where there's some Pavlovian response where when you do that, it makes your tummy feel good or something. <laughs> the radiation. <laughs> Seriously, though, it's got to be. 
and these people, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're just not rational. Maybe they are the true zombies. Maybe that's just it. We're in zombie land. I think it's funny that they put the, the two non-scanner things in the middle. And so if you wanted to, you can go to those. And instead of creating a big hassle for everybody, because they know some people aren't going to go through the... And, it, and it, by the way, it takes a long time because you go through that, they scan you, then you have to, yeah, sta- well, you have to stand long. on the yellow footprints while they approve your photo. Yeah, it takes longer than yeah, just waltzing through a... Much longer. I know. I just found the whole thing kind of uh, almost surreal. Yeah. Well, while we're on that, this is a... I'll shuttle through this. Um... There was some amazing information in this. This is a guy who crossed over from the Canadian border uh, and he was going shopping to the mall with his wife and he was going to the Niagara Falls Mall. So, you know, I think a lot of people probably do this. They cross over this border and he gets uh, stopped by uh, by Border Patrol and questioned. And I'll play the first bit and then we'll shuttle ahead because the big payoff comes at the end. The whole thing, by the way. Is a, is a YouTube video. It's about 10 minutes long. And it just, I mean, the, he, his wife gets wind up, uh, uh, winds up getting uh, handcuffed. I mean, it just, but he's recording the whole time. Uh, I don't know what kind of device he had, but just listen to how it starts, how, how we welcome our friendly Canadian neighbors uh, to the United States. What country are you citizens? Uh, which country am I citizens? Canada. Well, what country are both of you citizens is what I was asking. Man. Both of us are from Canada. How do you know each other? We're married. Where are you going today? Uh, Fashion Outlet Mall. For what? For shopping. Where at? Where in, what is it? What's the address? Nine, uh, Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls. Which stores? I don't know. Does it matter? <laughs> Which stores? We haven't, we haven't, we ha't set out our, 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 our itinerary. Mike, this has to be a joke. This has to be a sketch. No, I don't. No, 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 no. I don't think so. No, this is. I think this, this is guy's legit. Asking what stores? What stores? Oh yeah. Oh, it gets much worse. So immediate douchebag is this guy? Oh, well, wait until you hear the rationale behind it. So he says, "Which stores?" The guy's like, "I don't know which stores." And then he says, "Hand over your keys." Set out our our our, our, our you keys, please. My keys? Yes, your keys right now. Your keys. Ten twenty-two to lane one. Two occupants. United States of America. No, I understand, but okay, I'm... So if I ask you questions, I'm I don't expect to get responses like, does it matter? I expect to get the responses to the questions... You ask me which store I'm going to. Yeah, if you're... I don't know. Shopping, I don't know what store quiet. I'm going to. Be quiet. Get out of the vehicle. Okay. Any weapons, any phones on you? No. No? Leave them all in the car. Leave those headphones in the car. Okay. All right. Over this way. Over that way. For what reason? Take a seat. For what reason? Take a seat. Ridiculous. I said, why do I have to sit down? Take a seat. Why do I have to sit down? Take a seat. <laughs> By the way, uh, advice to you is don't say anything because this guy just digs himself in so incredibly deep, but he's right. Okay. Sir. One Elm Drive in Mississauga. And where are you trying to go today? We're trying to go to the Fashion Outlet Mall in Niagara Falls, I believe. Okay. I'm not sure. He asked me. The, the question that I was asked was, which store am I going to specifically? I don't know. My wife and I are just going to walk around the mall. <laughs> By the way, the, I think they're eating a baby in the background. I don't know what's going on there. And I was, I was told to come and sit down. I asked, what's the reason? He just said, he kept yelling. This gentleman right here kept yelling, sit down, sit down, sit down. So he wouldn't give me a reason. What, well, if the officer tells you to do something? Well, I need to know why. Oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second, okay? You're a Canadian citizen. Yes, I am. 
but I'm not going to obey orders if I don't understand the reason for them. Ooh, that was not good. <laughs> the officer tells you, you come inside and sit down, you come inside and sit down. Uh-huh. Okay. So this is the, so now they, they play a little, little bit of good cop, bad cop. I'm going to shuttle ahead. Uh, to what a waste of the taxpayers' money to have these guys. But wait until you hear the, this Canadian character. Wait who's until, just grumpy. Oh, just wait until you hear the revelation, though. In their country, I'm not picking them. I'm just trying to interview. No, I don't, think, I don't think you are, but I think you're the first level okay, well, person who was interviewing. We, we ask very detailed and personal questions. Okay. Just so we can verify what you say. Okay. Example. Where are you going? Go to my uncle's house. Where does he live? He lives in New York City. Where? Give me an address. Give me a phone number because I might call your uncle and say, is, is, your, is your nephew coming on, come down to see, see you today? Uh-huh. This is what we do. Okay. That's how detailed we get. That's how personal Okay. I've been here through numerous times. Never had those kind of questions. It doesn't asked. matter. Okay? Mm-hmm. Previous times don't matter. Okay? If, if the officer feels like he wants... No, you, want, you want to see where I think your officer doesn't like me and just wants to use the, the bureaucracy as an excuse I, I don't, to... I don't... We just forget with, with the other Well, that's why I'm here. Where are you going? That's why I'm here. Okay, so now now it's coming up. John, how many terrorists, because, of course, this is this is all about terrorism. How many terrorists do you think come through the Canadian border on an annual basis? Well, it must be tens of thousands from the way they're grilling this guy. I'm trying to talk to you. I understand. I'm trying to talk to you. I'm not being disrespectful to you personally. I think that, the, that there's something wrong with the process. Anyway, okay. go ahead. Well, if you're upset with the process, there's nothing I can do for you. I understand. This is what we do. You, you said, how many times have you crossed within the last oh, year? Oh, year. I don't know. I have no. I maybe if, twenty times. No, not that many times. No, maybe less than ten. Okay. Every once in a while, we're going to send you inside, inside this office. Uh huh. We're going to interview you. We're going to search your car. We're going to search your person. We're going to, you know, whatever we feel like we we the level of search we need to we need to go to okay that's what we're going to do just to verify your story okay and people that say yeah i'm gonna go i'm going shopping to the mall sometimes people lie to us okay and they say you know what and they go and they go meet with somebody and they drop off a load of drugs or they drop do you honestly think i'm lying to you i don't see listen do you honestly think i'm lying to you do i honestly think you're lying to me yeah no. Okay. But, I, but unfortunately, I can't believe, in my line of work, I can't believe everybody. Okay. But we're talking I, about me right now. Okay, here it comes. Here it comes. This guy getting in his face. This is why he gets arrested, because he gets in his face. He's really annoying the guy, but it's really good. If I believe, We're talking about me right now. I finish? Uh-huh. If I believe everybody, mm-hmm. I would never find anything. I wouldn't, I wouldn't find seizures. I wouldn't find How many drugs. terrorists do you find coming across the border? You want, you want to know what? You'll be surprised. Ooh, now he gets pissed off. Oh, oh, whoa. You'll be very surprised. I would say three a day. What? <laughs> three a day. Three. And that's just that one border crossing. Yes, three a day. He finds three a day from Canada. So wait a minute. So this guy, this one guy at one border crossing. Yes, finds three terrorists a day. And we have how many hundreds of border crossings? He finds three a day. Three a day. <laughs> that's the clip of the week. Listen, right. to just just finish it up. I would say three a day. <laughs> Three terrorists a day from Canada that you don't know about. Okay. Do you think that, do you think we, that we put every single possible terrorist in the newspaper and say no. he was encountered? Yeah, I think you do put every possible terrorist on TV in the newspaper. Yes, I do. Absolutely, I do. Like Lewis and Bridge. I'm just curious. Three, and I'm not saying here at the Lewis and Bridge. I'm saying in the Port of Buffalo, Lewis okay. and Rainbow and Peace Bridge. I would say three a day. Okay, <laughs> sit down, Lewis. Sit down. And then, uh, and then his wife gets arrested because she's getting manhandled, and it just it it it, it really goes downhill <laughs> from there. Three a day, three a day. Hello, Canada. Clip of the day. Yes, Canada. 
It's an amazing piece of audio. Really is really, really good. And it's, I'm so sorry to all of our Canadian listeners. But, you know, yeah. but I also have to say that Canada, man, it's a hotbed of terrorism up there. Apparently. We don't want those guys coming in. A bunch of terrorists. Thousands and thousands. Thousands. There's at least almost a three a day. It's 360. There's over a thousand coming across that one border, that one spot every year. And there's a hundred, there's hundreds of thousands of terrorists. Yes. Are being caught. Canadian, and they're being caught. With the, they're filling up the I jails. They're putting them in jail. What do they do after they catch them? Do they release them? Is it catch and release? Is it like fishing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, you, hear the, you hear these guys, man. Like, you, know, you come through here. Eventually, we're just going to search you. We're going to search your car. Because, you, know, you know, you could be dropping off some drugs. We're going to check with your uncle. Make sure that you're actually going shopping. Oh, it's so embarrassing. This is unprofessional. Uh, really? Uh, I think it should be. I think the head of the whole operation, which would be Napolitano, should be reprimanded. Oh, oh wait a minute. She's been reprimanded numerous times in front of Congress and nothing's changed. Okay, she, she never mind. She should be excommunicated. She should be excommunicated. <laughs> so, she's, probably a, she's probably Catholic. I'm just following up on uh, uh, with Canadians and vaccines, which is always one of my favorite topics. Uh, a team of researchers working out of the University of Western Ontario in London, Ontario, which is where I think that's also a hotbed of terrorism, have received approval from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to begin clinical trials of an HIV vaccine on humans. Yay! AIDS is dead. But the way they're doing this, and I don't understand exactly how it works. I mean, I, I, I know a little bit about vaccinations. Apparently, the way a vaccination works is you... You put in a, a bit of the virus, and then someone builds up immunity uh, uh, against this virus. Is that how, how it works? Well, you don't put the virus in them. You put in attenuated or a dead virus. Oh, or something. It, it is a, it's a dead virus. You can put in the dead virus. That's how it you works. You put in something that's you know that where the body says, "Oh, we don't. Ooh, what's this doing here? Let's make them immune to it." But it's already it's not going to do anything. You can't. Although this does happen, the live virus gets in there and then everybody gets sick from the shots. So they say that they have uh, produced a special uh, version of this virus, synthesized it. So they've, they've basically created the AIDS virus uh, or HIV, I should say. Uh, it's housed at special biosafety level three laboratories. Yeah, we know how good those are. Uh, so they create the live virus. They synthesize it. They can create this thing. And then it's killed and genetically modified to become harmless. And then they're going to inject people with it. Okay. Uh, but it's not a cure, so I guess they're going, how do you test this? You, uh, you create How is this it? not a cure? Then what good is it? Well, it's not a cure. It's a vaccine. A vaccine is not a cure. A vaccine is a preventative cure. It's a preventative measure. So how do you test this on humans? You inject them with the... With the vaccine, and then you give them AIDS? I mean, how does that work? That's the problem. I think what they're trying to... I don't know. You know, they, they think that they can shoot up people with a some sort of a... I guess a magic bullet that would... Even if they have AIDS, it would kill it off. But I, notice, I it's genetic, it's notice it's genetically modified. So there's a lot of stuff in this report that is... Yeah, uh, this very is a, another dead end. Very concerning. Uh, meanwhile, uh, remember we talked about... Uh, uh, at Erasmus University in Rotterdam, um, they were uh, creating the H one five. No, the H, ugh, the bird flu. No, the uh, yeah, the real bird flu. Uh, 
H151, is that it? H15, HN, the bird flu. Yeah, let me look it up. Yeah. Bird, I think it's H1N1. No, no, no. That's H1N5. That, that's not, that's the swine flu. H1N1 thought, is swine flu. I thought flu. it was H2N1. Maybe no, it's H4N1. It's H151, I think, or HN. <gasps> it's R2D2. Uh, anyway, so uh, they've created this experiment, and now they're going to publish it. But now the United States is saying, ah, 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 you cannot publish that. You cannot publish the work. Uh, you cannot publicly let people... H5N1. There you go. H5N1. You cannot publicly let people know how you create this bird flu. And uh, this is a big, uh, a big flap in the scientific community. And here's... Uh, uh, chief scientist uh, on the BBC talking about how we could only legitimate scientists can have this formula. Of this uh, report, this appears to be censorship of important scientific findings. You know, there's a delicate balance that the people who would have a need to know legitimate scientists, legitimate universities and medical centers, public health officials, will definitely have access to these data. The, uh, the, it was an impartial National Science Advisory Board for Biosecurity that made these recommendations. So it isn't as if the, the uh, information, the details, will not be available to anyone. It will be available to the people who have a need to know, such as the health officials in the countries in which this disease is endemic. I don't like this at all. I don't like how this sounds. I don't like it. They've created this virus. Uh, it's going to be available. They're going to give it to other uh, need-to-know scientists and uh, legitimate guys. <sighs> I think we're looking at an outbreak pretty soon. I'm with you on this one. I'm not liking that at Normally all. Normally no, but this time yes. And just in time to save his uh, Congressional Medal of Honor, uh, Dakota Meyer um, has dropped his lawsuit against BAE Systems, so I guess they got to him finally. Yeah, and they're, that's not the Airbus people. This is a different operation. This is a British Air. Airbus. Right. He accused them of selling uh, night vision scopes to Pakistan, and uh, so now they've uh, they've uh, reached a so closure. So he, he dropped a suit, and so he, now all of a sudden his Medal of Honor is okay. Of course, you're not going to hear a single thing about that. That's how it works. That is how it works. I mean, it was that was that's really disgusting what they did. It was a total disgust. It was with the, probably the most disgusting story of the year. Yeah, it was really really bad. Well, probably not, but it was up there. <laughs> it was up there. And uh, then a lot of people wanted me to analyze the uh, the plane crash of these two bankers and uh, the guy's family and the dog, apparently. Um, I don't really have an analysis for anyone because there's no information. I mean, could it have been icing? Yeah. I mean, it seems like the plane stalled or whatever. The, the ultimate uh, reason for the crash is a wing broke off. When a wing breaks off, that's pretty much it. Now, these uh, Cicada... Uh, uh, TBM 700 airplanes have de-icing. I know that. Um, I, I have heard personally that their engines are not all that reliable. I've heard a lot of uh, uh, engines uh, quitting on uh, on final approach. But this happened at 17,000 feet. Um, now, the only thing I did look up for you is uh, this, uh, this banker uh, was an executive at Green Hill & Co., and uh, I will say, if you look at what they've done, including uh, the Northern Rock deal, um, U.S. Department of Energy deals, $35.9 billion energy loan portfolio, it is possible that uh, there's more stuff coming out about more cylinder-like things and more 
uh, taxpayer money being stolen by Obama insiders and con- congressional and senatorial insiders. It's possible the guy knew too much, <clears throat> but uh, there's no evidence uh, otherwise. And it's very, very hard without an uh, NTSB report to even st- start to think about what happened to this aircraft. Uh, but it is a very uh, unfortunate, of course, or as we call it in aviation, a day wrecker. Uh, it's a it's a it's a weird it's a weird accident. Mm. Yeah, well, we'll keep an eye on it. If anything shows up that we can talk about, yeah. otherwise, it's just rank speculation. That, that's why I'm saying it. That's why. But I, I did, you know, looking at the at what this Green Hill and Partners has done, they are in, in a lot of deals, and they're advisors on these deals. So it know. takes six to twelve months as the NTSB. Oh, yeah. Oh, it takes forever. We're still waiting for details on 9-11. It takes forever with those guys. And then, uh, oops, didn't mean to hit that one. Um, nice to see that uh, Siemens has uh, hired Stanley McChrystal as a supervisor. Oh, how nice. You mean as a board member? <laughs> uh, no, supervisory role, whatever that means. So he's going to actually have a real job. Yeah, he will chair a board overseeing a newly created unit aimed at securing more and bigger contracts with the federal government. Payoff. Siemens? Yeah. The German company? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Payoff. <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah. Uh, all right, everybody. Uh, we really appreciate the love we've seen once again from people supporting this program. Uh, and remember, we have the clip show coming up on Sunday, so that'll be fun to listen to. Uh, I want to miss everybody a Merry Christmas, and we do that on the show, too. Yeah, that's a real holiday. Yeah, it's an actual federal holiday. Actual holiday, and there's some actual history behind it. Uh, And we'll be back before the new year, right, John? Yes, we'll be back next Thursday to uh, finish off the year with some, uh, maybe a look back. And then we start the new year next Sunday. Not this coming Sunday, but the Sunday after. We're going to do a show on New Year's. And it will be the first show of the year on the first day of the year. It'll be, I will probably look forward to seeing what we think is going to happen over the course of uh, 2012. Right up to the end. (laughs) We have less than a year to go, everybody. (laughs) Also, uh, make sure you check out the show notes at uh, 367.nashownotes.com. There's a couple of uh, uh, good PDFs in there regarding Fast and Furious with uh, Eric Holder and his involvement with the Oklahoma City bombing and the cover-up of the stifling of the whistleblowers. Uh, all of the clips and stuff that we played on today's show, you'll find in, uh, oh, lo and behold, clips and stuff. And uh, also, one final call-out. Uh, we now have the uh, capability, because it's been templatized, to customize noagenthenewsnetwork.com. So any of you uh, designers out there, if you feel... Uh, if you feel like it, uh, go ahead and just do a view source on noagendanewsnetwork.com and uh, send me uh, your templates or whatever. However that works, we'll figure it out. Make it look and, nice. Uh, complain to Apple bitterly if you don't see iTunes playing our stuff. Yeah, exactly. Coming to you from Camp Mofo here in the ever chilly capital of the Lone Star State, Austin, Texas. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from the compounded to Puget Sound... Puget- Hello? You missed me? Yeah, you, at the, you said compound at the Puget Sound. I'm John C. Dvorak. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah, it did. <laughs> Apple's wow. already cutting you off. <laughs> I uh, said anything. All right, happy holidays, everybody. We'll talk to you uh, on Thursday right here on No Agenda.
Dvorak.org slash N-A